0: of the San Francisco Public Works Commission. Today is Monday, February twenty-six, 2024. It is nine o'clock a.m. Secretary Fuller, please call the roll.
1: Good morning, please respond with here or present. Lynn Newhouse-Siegel. <coughs> Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel is present. Warren Post. Here. Chair Post is present. <coughs> Gerald Turner. Commissioner Turner is present. Paul Wolford? Present. Commissioner Wolford is present. Fatty Zabi? Present. Vice Chair Zabi is present, with five members present. We do have quorum for the Public Works Commission. Uh, Public comment is taken for all informational and action items on today's agenda, And and to comment in person, please line up against the wall near the screen on the audience's left when public comment is called for members of the public wishing to comment on an item from outside the hearing room. You, will, uh, you may do so by joining via webinar through the link shown on page two of today's agenda. And to be recognized, select the raise your hand icon in the webinar. You may also comment from outside the chamber by dialing one 415 one Use the meeting ID of 2661-316 one, three, one, six, pound, pound, and then to raise your hand to speak, press star three. The telephone login information is also available on both pages one and two of today's agenda. Commenters may speak for up to three minutes per item. You'll receive a 30 second notice when your speaking time is about to expire. And in the event, we have many commenters on, a, on an item. The chair may reduce public comment time to less than three minutes per person. Unless you're speaking under general public comment, please note that you must limit your comments to the topic of the agenda item being discussed. And if commenters do not stay on topic, the chair may interrupt and ask you to limit your comments to the agenda item at hand. We ask that public comment be made in a civil and respectful manner and that you refrain from the use of profanity. Abusive and hate speech will not be tolerated. Please address your remarks to the commission as a whole, not to individual commissioners or staff. And the public is always welcome to submit comments in writing via our, via our email address, publicworks.commission at sfdpw.org, or by mail at 49 South Van Ness, Suite 1600, San Francisco, California, 94103. And on behalf of the commission, we extend our thanks to the SFGovTV building management and media services staff for helping make this meeting possible. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you. Before calling the next item, are there any requests from the commission to amend the order of today's agenda? Hearing none. Secretary Fuller, please call the next item.
1: Item one is the announcements by the chair, commissioners, and secretary, and this is an informational item.
0: Thank you. I think since this commission has been convening, You will be shocked to know I have no announcements today. (laughs) Audience members, please hold your applause. Do my colleagues on the commission have any announcements this morning? Secretary Fuller, do you have any announcements?
1: Uh, I just have a couple brief announcements. Um, As a reminder that Form 700 filing is due on April 2nd, 2024. Um, And I will be once again sharing the, the email instructions and. Uh, providing uh, any support to commissioners to help ensure that they have access uh, to that system to be able to complete on time. Um, and then uh, another announcement is that um, a new practice of the commission is to get to commissioners the full uh, packet of materials, five business days ahead of the regular meeting. That was accomplished this past week um just about um, uh, so essentially the Monday before is what we're working to do so that folks have plenty of time for review um, and then the last item is I do have an update on the sanitation and streets Commission um, which they their February 16th meeting was scheduled due to was rescheduled due to lack of quorum and they will be meeting on March 8th when they'll hear a performance measure report from the bureau of urban forestry and and also the racial equity action plan update that this commission heard at our last meeting and that's the end of my my announcements
0: thank you and in our um scheduling effort that you just outlined what the purpose is is for the commission to get documents on the Monday before, five days, business days before, so that if we have questions and comments, we can get them back to the staff in a timely manner, and as we have seen for today's meeting, the staff actually takes those into consideration and, and may revise the presentations. So, Secretary Fuller, if indeed uh, that that occurs, if if there are changes made to the initial presentations the Commission first reviewed earlier in the week, if you could just apprise us uh, when uh, new presentations have been posted so that we can uh, check for any changes, Should it, just so that we don't review everything on a Monday or Tuesday, and then not do anything with it until today and are surprised by changes.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you. If there are no questions or comments, please open this to public comment.
1: Members of the public who wish to make three minutes of comment on item one, announcements by the chair, commissioners and secretary may line up against the wall for this from the chamber door. If commenting from outside the chamber, please press the raise your hand button in the webinar or star three on your phone to be recognized. and it appears we do not have any in-person commenters, and we do not have any callers, SFGov is telling me, so that concludes public comment on item one.
0: Thank you, please call the next item.
1: Item two is the Director's Report and Communications, and Public Works Director Carla Short is here to present, and this is an informational item. I just wanted to note that at our February uh, 12th meeting, uh, the commission had requested the presentation given to the Capital Planning Committee, and that was included uh, on today's agenda as a as a an additional document um, that uh, staff provided for the commission.
2: Thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Carla Short. I uh, hope you all had a good weekend and are ready to roll out a new week. Um, I have a number of topics to touch on this morning. First up is budget. I'm very happy to report that we met last week's deadline to submit our budget plan to the mayor's office. I appreciate all your input and approval, and I want to give a special thanks to the Public Works budget team, led by Bruce Robertson, Jennifer Marquez, and Victoria Chan. They really did an amazing job crafting a proposal that minimizes impacts on core services and preserves jobs. As you know, the mayor will make a final decision on what to include in her citywide budget plan, which must be sent to the Board of Supervisors by June 1st. I do not envy the mayor. With a projected deficit of $800 million, she must balance priorities through a citywide lens, and that takes into account many competing demands. My staff and I will continue to work closely with her budget team and with the controller and Board of Supervisors throughout the budget process. Next up historically black colleges and universities. At the beginning of the month, at the request of Mayor Breed, the city's Human Rights Commission hosted dozens of leaders from historically black colleges and universities, commonly referred to as HBCUs. The goal was to see if there was interest in establishing an HBCU satellite campus here in San Francisco. I am bringing this to your attention because one action item that came out of this meeting was to create a pipeline into city government through internships for HBCU students. This past Friday, we held another meeting with department representatives to further explore this. As you know, as we've discussed before, we have a strong internship program here at Public Works. And in fact, this year applications are already in, and we're eager to include HBCUs in our outreach to prospective applicants. In recent years, we have already stepped up our efforts to expand our outreach efforts to tap into a diverse pool of candidates. All right, Lunar New Year. As mentioned at your last meeting, Public Works crews have been out in force in Chinatown throughout the month of February for our annual deep cleaning and beautification operation during the Lunar New Year holiday season. This time of year draws big crowds to the historic neighborhood for a panoply of shopping, eating, and cultural activities. The Year of the Dragon work often began pre-dawn and continued deep into the night, steam-cleaning alleyways, sidewalks, sweeping up litter and wiping out graffiti on a daily basis to ready the historic neighborhood for its busiest holiday season of the year. Public Works also runs more specialized operations, including power washing the iconic Dragon Gate at Bush and Grant Avenue, scrubbing the Broadway Tunnel, and touching up paint on the three-color decorative dragon lamp posts along Grant Avenue. Our street repair team conducted proactive pothole sweep to ready the roads for the Chinese New Year Parade, which followed a roughly 1.3-mile route that started at Second and Market Streets, snaked around Union Square and Chinatown, and wrapped up at Kearney Street and Columbus Avenue. The parade, which took place on Saturday, February 24th, is one of our largest cleanup events operations of the year and calls for a highly choreographed effort. The crews, more than three dozen strong, used push brooms, grabbers, rakes, shovels, leaf blowers, mechanical sweepers, and flusher trucks to complete the cleanup. By Sunday morning, the streets looked great. I attended the parade and got to see our crews in action. The operation was well executed. So kudos to the team for a job well done. Uh, I wanted to get you an update on the Mission Street vending moratorium. On Friday, I officially signed a 180-day extension on the Mission Corridor Sidewalk Vending Moratorium. The temporary prohibition on vending extends along Mission Street from 14th Street to Cesar Chavez. Because of the initial 90-day moratorium, the city saw positive benefits, including a drop in crime and a reduction in street cleaning requests in the area. The extension allows us to build on the momentum to improve public safety in the Mission neighborhood and hopefully reset the conditions there. Okay, the Golden Gate Park Golf Course Clubhouse. On February 16th, I had the pleasure of attending the grand opening ceremony for the Golden Gate Park Golf Course Clubhouse. This fabulous project was built with the work of our architects, landscape architects, engineers, and construction management teams. It is really a design gem in a stunning setting on the west end of the park. If you have not been there, I strongly encourage you to go. It's so beautiful. The new Reckon Park Clubhouse, which replaces the old clubhouse that was badly damaged in a fire and had to be torn down, boasts green building features. The project includes a multifunctional lounge, enhanced public restrooms, a new Golf Pro shop, food and beverage concessions, additional storage space, and an outdoor patio with seating that overlooks a freshly refurbished course. Additional improvements include two accessible parking spaces and an ADA pathway that connects the outdoor patio to the putting greens and driving range. More on the ribbon cutting ceremony and the clubhouse design elements can be found in our upcoming In the Works digital journal due out Thursday. Next up is Arbor Day, the best day of the year. I want to remind everyone that our annual Arbor Day tree planting workday and family fun fair is fast approaching will be in the Western Edition, Tenderloin, Haight, and other District 5 neighborhoods on Saturday, March 9th, planting some 100 trees. Whether it rains or shines, the day will be great because it celebrates trees. And we have this event, Rain or Shine. The kickoff event and fair will be held at New Traditions Elementary School, which is located at 2050 Hayes Street. The festivities get underway at 9 a.m., and the fair runs until 1 p.m., So come on out and plant a tree and ride a bucket truck with us if you're able. And last up, I am thrilled to announce that Alaric de Graffenried, who served as Acting Public Works Director from January 2020 to August 2021, is coming back to the department next month in the new position of Deputy Director of Strategic Initiatives. This is akin to a Chief of Staff position and his portfolio will be wide ranging managing special projects, working on organizational improvements and efficiencies, ensuring compliance with disadvantaged business enterprise and small business enterprise requirements in federal contracting, and much more. He will be part of the executive team, and we are very, very excited to have him back on the Public Works team. And he starts on March 5th, 4th, I think, but 4th or 5th. And with that good news, I am happy to take any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Director Short.
0: Um, very good report. Very newsy report. Lots of information, and congratulations to the department for getting that budget in on time. And as we've discussed before, respecting the mayor's requests for budget cuts and budget balancing, um, it's it's important that Public Works is a team player with the mayor, and we're very grateful that that we always are. And congratulations to the entire staff for the Lunar New Year. Um, festivity assistance that that you outlined, as well as the um, Golden Gate Park Clubhouse. Both are demonstrations of the services and capital projects that the department provides for the city of San Francisco and its citizens. And finally, um, big congratulations on um, hiring Mr. DeGraffenried back into the fold. I know he was a a very popular and well-liked member of the staff when he was the interim director and um, having met him I have full confidence in his ability to augment what you do and, and what all of the staff does. So I think that's very exciting news. And I will still be waiting for the San Francisco Chronicle article on you as director and, <laughs> and as deputy director. But anyway, I won't, I won't hold my breath because I really don't want to turn blue. So thank you. Um, do any of my colleagues have any comments or questions for Director Short? Thank you, Chair Post. Hearing none, please open this to public
1: comment, Secretary Fuller. Members of the public who wish to make uh, three minutes of comment in person on item two, the director's report may line up against the wall for this from the door. If you're commenting from outside the chamber, please press the raise your hand button in the webinar or press star three on your phone to be recognized. And no one has come forth to speak on this item in person. And SFGovTV is also indicating we do not have any callers wishing to speak on the director's report. So that concludes public comment.
0: Thank you. Please call the next item.
1: Item three is general public comment, which is for topics under the commission's mandate, but not related to a specific item on today's agenda. Members of the public who wish to make three minutes of, comment, uh, of, of general public comment in person may line up against the wall for this from the door. And if commenting from outside the chamber, once again, press the raise your hand button in the webinar or star three if you've called in on your phone. And as a reminder, general public comment is limited to a total of 15 minutes for all commenters and can be continued to the end of the agenda if we exceed, exceed that limit. And it is now 9.17 a.m. And we do not have any in-person speakers for general public comment. And SFGovTV has also indicated no one has joined to make general public comment uh, over the phone either. So that concludes general public comment.
0: Thank you. Please call the next item today.
1: Item four is the consent calendar of routine matters. It includes the draft minutes from the February 12th, 2024 meeting of the Public Works Commission, one contract modification and three contract awards. Please note that corrections for clarity have been made in the draft minutes and these corrections are reflected in the documents posted on the commission's website. And the consent calendar items can be heard individually Upon request by a commissioner, staff, or the public, an adoption of the consent calendar and all resolution, uh, resolutions contained in it is an action item. Uh, before a motion is made, I'm happy to, to hear any corrections from commissioners to the minutes or uh, if there are any questions. Commissioner Newhouse Siegel
3: yes I have a change on the minutes I'm sorry so getting them to us uh, the Monday before would be very helpful because I wouldn't have to do this at the meeting so thank you uh so if I'm taking up anybody's time unnecessarily I apologize but next next month we'll get them on the Monday before our meeting so um the actually before that would be great too the, the draft minutes could be available very soon after the after our regular meeting and that would be extremely helpful because then any of us who have anything to to do to follow up on action items would be helpful Uh, okay so I do have a correction under Commissioner requests in the minutes of the February 12th meeting Um, so I it's very difficult to follow on the on the recordings if I want to make a change and check to see exactly what was said if it matches my notes or my memory I can do that but it's not that easy to find in a long meeting Um, but I don't believe that in in commissioner requests that I ask for an orderly notice because I don't really know what an orderly notice means so um, I I would suggest that it be changed to Commissioner Newhouse Siegel requested a notice of w- which commissioners will be leaving a meeting early actually I don't even think the word notices would request an announcement of which commissioners will be leaving early to minimum to minimize the impact on quorum and to allow the chair to make uh, to make a uh, Changes to the agenda accordingly. Because that was the point. We did not have time to finish what was on the agenda because people were leaving and there was no announcement that they were going to be leaving ahead of time. So we lost the quorum. Well, we didn't, because I was stopped at the door, thank you, by our city attorney telling me that we would lose the quorum to the entire meeting, but uh, Commissioner Post was very very clear that uh, we needed to stay for votes, and there was a vote, and we did do that, but it was not clear that we couldn't leave after the votes were taken, and I'm not even sure if, if Chair Post was aware of that, so City Attorney did let us know that. And what is that? We ended up continuing anyway. So what's the issue? If we lose a quorum, if we lose a quorum, we don't have any action items. So um, somebody can explain that to me. But uh, anyway, that's the change in the minutes. Thank you. And it's important for the public to understand this too. That people will be getting up and leaving, and who will be, in case they have comments that they wanted to address to a particular commissioner.
1: noted thank you
0: thank you are there any other comments or questions on the consent calendar today if not I will move to adopt the consent calendar with the uh, suggested change to the minutes that uh, Commissioner Newhouse Siegel uh, just made is there a second to a second Fair thank you all in favor of excuse me I beg your pardon please open this item to public comment
1: Members of the public who wish to make three minutes of comment in person on item four, the adoption of the consent calendar and all resolutions contained in it may line up against the wall for this from the door. Uh, If you are commenting from outside the chamber, please press the raise your hand button in the webinar or press star three on your phone to be recognized. And we do not have any in-person commenters and SFGov TV has just indicated we also do not have any callers. So that concludes public comment on the consent calendar.
0: Thank you. All in favor of adopting the consent calendar and its appropriate resolutions, please say aye or yes. Aye. 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 The vote is unanimous and the consent calendar is adopted. The resolutions will be posted to the Commission's website. Secretary Fuller, please call the next item on the calendar. Excuse me, on the agenda.
1: Moving to the regular calendar, item five uh, is the City Hall mechanical replacement contract modification. And construction manager, Dennis Oates, will present this contract modification. And it is an action item. My
4: name is Dennis Oates. So const- Sorry. if you could construction manager with, oh well. Um, public works I've been uh, in construction management here for 22 ish years or about to be 22 years um, I'm told if I press that in there it will catch up with me um, I'm here to request a time extension for City Hall mechanical phase two and if you feel how nice the air is in here it is because of this project um, we put two heat pumps above Uh, in in the attic space above here. Um, The project installed a total of 156 or 55 or 56 heat pumps in the building. It's not quite complete yet. Um, Stuffed in every possible corner attic space. Um, It's amazing (laughs) how many were in here. Um, It is our contractor. Um, was Echo Engineering. Um, you may have seen them in the building. Most of their work has, like I said, been in attic spaces and mechanical rooms. Um, a couple Saturdays we were in here loading equipment up to the attic space. In fact, I just noticed the skylight we had to remove um, still needs repair. So um, I'm glad I came today. Um, our contractor is Engineering. I said that. And the contract amount was for $7,523,178. It was a one-year contract, 365 days. Um, I am requesting a time extension of 146 days, and that is because six of the most, like it depends on who you ask, most important uh, heat pump units in the building the manufacturer went out of business um, after bid. Um, we had to re-engineer. It's a design bid con- or design-build contract, so the um, contractor had to re-engineer. We had to negotiate, find units that would actually fit. The way this isn't the project was handled was there's existing ductwork, and we had to find units that would fit back in that existing ductwork with minimal. Um, changes to it did make minor changes but um, minimal Um, so that took some time to find new units the new units are actually upgrades from the original specified Um, so there was a change order for the improved units but um, i'm have been told that these um, are a much better more reliable system um, the existing heat pumps in here hadn't been changed since the building remodel. Um, the maintenance department was struggling to keep, keep, keep them alive, basically. Um, the computer rooms are being affected. This, this room was affected. Um, so moving on. Here's a map of lovely San Francisco and this wonderful building. We all know where it is. Um, most of this i think i've told you Um, the units are located throughout the building the building will be occupied during construction Um, i don't think anyone was disrupted very much Uh, the way it was handled this this room has two units so we only took one unit down while the other one worked so not miserable in here during construction um and the contractor was responsible for design permitting installation, et cetera. Um, so requesting this hundred and oh, I have some pictures for you. This is actually the two units right above us. Um, and they are working handsomely, I think. Um, these are pictures of these are two mechanical rooms. Um, actually, these have more room than most. I think that's why he took them as you could actually see in there and then this next one on the left there is a picture of the attic space um, they had to get these units they weigh about 200 pounds a piece um, into the attic above the plaster ceiling and hung on the support you see there um, without putting a foot through the plaster ceiling and pretty much wraps it up for me. Um, We're requesting the time extension. We'll make substantial completion May 1st of 24. Um, it is a compensable time extension to pay the the contractor for the re-engineering, um, some project management over these 146-ish days, um, a little equipment rental, et cetera. That's all I have. Any questions?
0: Thank you. And. We agree. We did feel the pain before you fixed the <laughs> HVAC system above us. So thank you very much. It has noticeably improved. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's nice to see you. It's nice to meet you for the first time thank at you. the commission. I think we forget we look at City Hall. It's so beautiful from the outside. It's beautiful on the inside. But I bet it is, it, I should say, can be a nightmare to maintain the infrastructure in this very old historic building. So kudos to your team. For the, good, the good work here and it sounds like the uh, manufacturer going out of business worked to our advantage because we got better product in the end. I think so. Commissioner Zabi.
5: Uh, good morning and thank you for your uh, presentation. Yeah. Uh, just to clarification, I noticed that in the summary there's a, there's a um, proposed modification of $279,000. I'm
4: sorry? Um, The the compensable time extension should be about $109,000. Oh, Oh,
5: so what, okay, so what's the amount of the $279,000 for I'm sorry? The the $279,000. I'm
4: not sure, I can't see what you're talking about. And I don't know if it was, this was prepared by someone else, so potentially
5: a typo. No, it looks like uh, Director Short is, is looking for it. But, while, while they're looking for this, so my question is, was, was that original manufacturer part of the RFP um, approval? Um, no, it was not in, in that. So it didn't, the, the construction, construction company did not uh, get any discounts for using that manufacturer? No, I, I want to say no. Okay. Great. And uh, the 279. It's not in the resolution uh, itself, but it's in the, in the summary.
2: I'm just trying to pull it up. I apologize. I don't have it in front of me.
0: It's in the staff memo. Oh, in the... Yeah.
2: Just thinking, it. What, what did you say the total should be, Dennis? Um, 149? One forty-nine.
4: One, one oh eight, four hundred, something like that.
2: Yeah, that's strange. I, I think it could. There could be some contingency, but that seems like that is um, an incorrect amount in the staff memo that we didn't catch. Um,
4: that sounds like it's
5: a mistake.
2: Because a contingency would take us to about one. 26 okay. or something and like
5: would, that. Would the amount also be added to the resolution when we vote on it? Or? We.
2: Yeah, it's. We could add. That's what I figured. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> we can definitely correct that amount for you, and then uh, we could update the resolution with the correct amount. Normally, does, does the resolution include that amount? It includes the full total of the project.
0: Ah, should okay. that number be uh, adjusted, or it's, it will be it's Correct.
5: It says it was adjusted to two point eight.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we will have to correct that. Uh, can we?
1: So, so my understanding is that the any changes that are included in this it, uh, it are. Underneath the 10% contingency that the contract already has value for so this the inclusion of that 279 I think is An error it's not in the resolution because the Commission's not actually approving additional uh, Value to the contract that's already included in the 10% contingency from the original award if that makes sense
2: if if you prefer to continue this item before you vote Deputy Director Robertson can try to get that updated number or confirm what the number is uh, in okay. five minutes or in so. five minutes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank
0: you. So, Dr. Short, you're suggesting we uh, just wait a few minutes until... Uh...
2: It sounds like if the uh, the amount was within the our 10%, really what you're, we're seeking approval for is just the time. So you, it's up to you if, you if you will feel more comfortable voting once you know what that number is, uh, we can hold off. But you, what you're approving today, I guess, is just the time, the additional time.
4: So if it, I'm sorry, if it helps, total change orders to date are roughly $505,000. That includes the 108 that I mentioned. So that 505 is below the 10% but I can look into this 279, I'm not sure where that came from.
0: Uh, Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel. I suggest that our vote
3: on this particular item, since there's a resolution, be just held off to the end of this section of our agenda, and then the parties that are working on this can come up with the exact amount, and our resolution can be changed accordingly, and we can make the, the accurate resolution, vote
0: on Commissioner Wolford?
6: I agree. I
0: okay. <laughs> then what I'd like to do is make a motion to approve this resolution. We can always, I can withdraw my motion later if I choose, but I'd like to make it a motion to approve the resolution, then we will be opening this to public comment, of course.
3: To approve the
0: resolution? Yes, as, as is. I don't think it's going to change. We're, as Director Short has described to us, the resolution is well, it's just a time change that we're approving today, not a, a monetary amount. And the resolution does reflect the accurate monetary amount. I'm going to look at Deputy um, Director. Deputy
7: I'll second. Yeah. Okay. Please open this to the
1: motion of public comment. Members of the public who wish to make three minutes of comment on uh, co- co- three minutes of comment in person on item five, the City Hall mechanical replacement contract modification, may line up against the wall for this from the door. If com- if you are commenting from outside the chamber, please press the raise your hand button in the webinar or star three on your touch on your phone to be recognized. And no commenters have come forward in-person to speak on this item. And SFGovTV is indicating we do not have any callers on this item either. So that concludes public comment on this motion.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel.
3: So um, I'm, I would like uh, a clarification by a uh, city attorney on whether... We can make the change for, on the resolution on the amount to be accurate, or can, or uh, I don't. I'd just like to have an opinion about what is correct at this, because we want to make sure that this all works. So that's all.
8: Good morning, commissioners. Uh, Deputy City Attorney Christopher Tom. I think the question is really whether there was any change and what was publicly noticed. So if we could get a clarification on that, uh, and if it turns out to be that only time is being requested to be added to the contract, then that doesn't change. Uh, There's no need to modify the noticing. Uh, It seems like perhaps there was just an error in the staff report, in which case there's no noticing problem, and you can proceed with the approval of this item as proposed.
5: Um, if I may, for the, for, from my understanding, uh, Public Works has you can you can you can modify up to ten percent without coming to the commission. So um, I I agree that there was a mistake. The resolution is to extend it, and I think we should we should we can move move forward with this um, because that, that any changes in the amounts is is actually uh, out of our. Um, VOTING, RIGHT? YEAH.
2: SO, IF I MAY, uh, DEPUTY DIRECTOR ROBERTSON IS DOUBLE CHECKING, SO IF YOU WANT TO TAKE YOUR VOTE, YOU KNOW, A LITTLE BIT LATER IN THE AGENDA, we, WE SHOULD BE ABLE TO JUST CONFIRM THAT OUR UNDERSTANDING IS CORRECT, THAT IT'S JUST A TIME EXTENSION AND THERE'S NO ADDITIONAL, UM, approval for resources being asked for at this time.
0: I'm happy to do that. I hate to ask Mr. Oates to wait around, because I think the next agenda item will be lengthy. Um, Thank you. I guess I really would I'd like to dispense with the vote, unless the majority really is not comfortable voting for the resolution. So uh, I'll, uh, why don't we call the roll, please, on this vote.
1: On the motion uh, to uh, pardon me to approve the contract modification of the City Hall mechanical replacement, please respond with yes or no. Lynn Newhouse Siegel. Yes. Warren Post. Yes. Gerald Turner. Yes. Paul Wolford. Yes. Patty Zabi. Yes. With. Five votes in favor. Uh that it is unanimous uh result.
0: Thank you again, Mr. Oates,
5: for your
1: presentation okay. today. Thank you very much.
0: Secretary Fuller, please call the next item.
1: Item six is the uh public works Department of Public Works um collaboration with 311 presentation and Assistant Superintendent Jonathan Vang will present this report and he has joined Uh, by IT project manager Brian Wong from San Francisco 311 and this is an informational item.
9: My name is Jonathan Vang. I'm Assistant Superintendent for Public Work Bureau Street, use, uh, street Cleaning. Uh, today we have a few slides uh, to show, and uh, it's basically hopefully to cover some of the post-chair requests. Uh, i also have uh, Mr. Brian Wong with the IT Project Manager with 311. He's going to start off with some of the, uh, the beginning of this slide. Okay, with that said... Uh,
10: Brian.
9: Sure. Good morning, everyone. I'm
10: Brian Wong, IT project manager for 311. And today, we're going to be going over the overview of 311, the general process flow for 311 service requests, and of course, 311 versus public works categories and key factors to our successful collaboration. Uh, Here we go. So, the first question really is, what is SF311? So, in 2007, the City and County of San Francisco established San Francisco 311 to provide an easy to remember telephone number that connects the residents, businesses, and visitors to the customer service representatives or CSRs ready to help with general government information and services. So, a number of these um, 3-1-1 phone calls often result in what we call a 311 service request. And on the screen here, you can see that 311 allows for various channels in order for, Stanford, uh, for our customers to be able to submit these service requests. And the, our channels include the phone, of course, to our mobile app, our website, and X, which is uh, formerly known as Twitter. So, in these channels, what we do is we intake um, the, the information from the customer, whether it be a student sidewalk cleaning request or just a general request to, like, let's say, Department of Public Health, we input all of this data into what we call a service request form. And in the service request form, depending on the request type, we do ask various questions um, depending on the, um, on the request type. And from that request type, we actually route it to the appropriate department automatically based off of the, suggestion, uh, by, by the request of the customer. So once these service requests have been created, we submit these unique service request numbers over to these departments in which we call queues, which are buckets pretty much for all of our customer service reps, uh, service, uh, government agencies. And what we do now is we pretty much pass over that form over to these agencies, and we wait for a resolution from our department agencies. What they could, uh, in this service request, they could add in notes, certain events. That way, if a customer were to follow up to 311 and ask um, what is going on with their service request, we should be able to get that information and follow up with them based off of the responses of our department agencies. Um, so, in the lifecycle of a service request, 311 then receives a resolution from our department agencies. W- whether the s- service request was closed, sometimes it cannot be found. We often um, cl- have these closures um, for these unique service requests, and we provide that feedback over to our customers upon request. So, these follow ups could be either from a phone call into 311. Or it could even be an email automatically set up so that way, once that service request is closed, they can see the response of the department agencies. And if you submit the case in our 3.01 mobile app, you'll even get a notification and say, hey, you received a closure from one of your service requests, would you like to take a look? And that way you can click on it on our mobile app and see the resolution provided by our customer.
0: Excuse me, Mr. Wong, for interrupting you. Yes. Um, I I may interrupt you a couple times during your presentation. I hope you'll indulge me. I have a keen interest in this topic. I first want to thank you for um, incorporating answers to some of the questions I sent earlier in the week into the revised presentation. I appreciate that. I have a basic question. What city department funds and manages 311? I'm not even sure where it's housed.
10: Yeah, so 311 is actually a sub-department under the, um, the city of administration. So ADM, pretty much.
0: So the CAO's office? Yes. Great, thank you.
10: Yep. So. In the last fiscal year of 2023, 301 received a total of 751,000 service requests that have been dispersed into various of our departments. As you can see in the infographic here, Public Works has received about 39% of these cases uh, following um, Recology, which is 23%, Department of Parking and Traffic, which is 17%, and so on. So you can see here for today, uh, we are talking about Public Works and we can see that a large number of 311 service requests have gone over to Public Works.
0: Can you please tell us what all of the acronyms are on this slide, please?
10: Of course. So there's Public Works, Recology, Department of Parking and Traffic. There is the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for SFMTA. Um, we have the CBDs, which is the Community Benefit Districts. Um, HSOC, we did the Healthy Streets Operations Center, which handles a lot of the encampment-related issues. BUC, the Public Utilities Commission. Um, the other piece is just like the miscellaneous departments, and the duplicate hold queue is where we kind of just hold all of these duplicate cases that we matched up automatically through technology. one, of course, um, RPD, which is Rec and Park, and then, of course, the other non-city agencies, which we consider as foreign jurisdiction.
0: I'm sorry, as what?
10: As foreign jurisdictions.
0: Foreign jurisdictions. Correct. Could what so, would be an
2: example of that?
10: It could be for cases that have gone to other um, de- departments outside of the city and county of San Francisco. I see. Thank yes. you. Like
2: yeah. Caltrans or uh, that makes something sense. like that. Thank yeah. you.
10: Yeah. So I wanted to add in here that I did mention there is the service request going on, over to the community benefit districts. So here in the process flow on the left hand side we can see that 301 determines the routing of these service requests if it were to fall under um, the jurisdiction of CBDs. So how we do that is, through technology, we pretty much look for any geospatial requests, looking at their latitude and longitudes, hoping that um, they fall under these specific jurisdictions of these CBDs. So instead of routing to the um, the public works, we route to the CBDs um, initially for them to take a first stab at one of these service requests. This is what we call our shared response plan. And this was to, over, um, this was to alle- alleviate any overlapping and stepping of toes between public works and CBDs, but only a number of these service requests go over to these CBDs uh, that we agreed upon, which is the public, um, the public graffiti, private graffiti, and um, specific request types relating to street and sidewalk cleaning. Um, So in the last fiscal year, about 24,000 of these cases have been allocated to the CBDs, which only equates for about 3% total of 3-in-1 service requests.
0: So just to make sure I I understand, you and the department and CBDs have an agreed list of services that when it comes in from within a CBD's jurisdiction, you shoot it. To that CBD rather than Public Works handling it. Is that, did I understand? Yes, that, that is correct. Thank you. And then I notice that the lion's share of these are going to what I'd call CBDs in the downtown core, kind of with the exception of Japantown Fishman's Wharf, but everything else is a long market, both sides. Where's the Union Square bid in this? How do they fit in or do they not fit in?
10: So the Union Square um, CBD, um, I believe it's the Union Alliance or whatever. Um, So they have not opted into this program. So what we do is we do allocate all of the cases that normally would go in that area over to Public Works.
0: Great. And say the Castro or or other areas would, okay. Exactly. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Commissioner Zabi had a question on this slide.
10: Oh, yes.
5: Yeah, um, yeah, my question is, so Public Works has a commitment of turnaround where, uh, what is it, 72 hours? Uh, Are the CBDs also, do they sign up to this and they commit to that? And what happens if a request is not completed in time?
10: Yes, that's a very good question. Um, So in the shared response plan, we have an uh, agreement with the CBDs that their service level agreements for these service requests are roughly around 24 hours. Um, So within 24 hours, if they're unable to achieve that goal, the cases are automatically routed to Public Works directly. And of course, we also give the CBDs the ability to reallocate these cases ahead of time. So let's say they are unable to actually handle a case because it is out of their scope. They can actually allocate these cases directly to the um, Public Works team um, for response. Um, so here is just an infographic of pretty much the summary of 3 queues. Now, because most of these service requests do go to Public Works, as you saw earlier from the 39%, I wanted to just show the breakdown of where all of these cases are going once they arrive to what we call these Public Works queues. So about 93% of these cases do go to the Department of Public Works operations queue, which is pretty much handling most of these service requests here, and the highest category being street and sidewalk cleaning, graffiti, and tree maintenance. And then the other 6% do go to Public Works um, Bureau of Street Use and Mapping, which consists of mostly sidewalk curb requests and, of course, these general requests that may come in that could fall under the bucket of like report issues and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the breakdown of how all of these service requests go. And now I'm going to pretty much pass it over to my colleague, um, Jonathan Bing.
9: Thank you, Brian. Um... So the slide here, where it's uh, again the 311 request. Excuse me, the 311 request. Why it's transferred to our requests uh, to 311 happen automatically? Uh, approximately every 10 minutes, it goes to an RQ. queue, but our radio room staff is actually uh, triage it to the right uh, staff on the field. They check the request, make sure. Uh, each staff are equipped so they, they know where to send it to on a on by zone basis. For example, 311 sidewalk request cleaning queue is divided into several categories. Uh, public is shown as the right chart. About 76% majority of the service requests are street cleaning, uh, represent about 75% of the requests, and steamer are represent 20% of the requests. Steamer requests use different equipment depending on uh, the calls and the time request can be assigned due to night shift uh, area that's heavy foot traffic, et cetera. So our, our crew internally does triage it to the right department. So this slide shows a sample of uh, how the crew received this in the queue. <clears throat> You see the far left that a uh, typical crew lid patrol or steamer sign on the left side where they had the whole queue of what the assignment today is assigned to their route. Uh, once they click on that queue, it open up photos. I think most of the complaints or requests come in uh, attached with the service request has photo to it, so we can have a crew. Once they see the photos, uh, they look into it. they make a note clean it up, and take the after photos. And the queue shows on the right side, just uh, when they close it out on the service request.
2: J.V., can I just to give a little bit more um, context to this. So our street cleaning um, staff have tablets in their vehicles. So what you're seeing is what they see on their tablet. So it comes automatically into their queue, and then they can select where they are and then choose the service request on the tablet in the field in real time. So that's what these screenshots are showing you, what they look at when they're looking at that tablet that's located in their vehicle.
9: Thank you, Carla. forgot to mention the vehicle does have the tablet. I'm sorry. Uh, The same thing with the graffiti crew. They also have a tablet. This is a sample of how uh, the graffiti crew received their complaints. And again, the queue is on the left. It's highlighted as color-coded, where uh, the green one is fresh, new, and the blue one, and so on. And it's divided into the by section. Again, they click on the, the queue of the complaints, open it up, and majority of the complaint has photos to it. Uh, on the top right, you'll see the photos of the before. And the bottom, after the abatement, uh, they take the photos on the abatement. And that's automatically closed the request via 311 also. So this chart shows uh, our stats. And we utilize, again, 311 is a very good tool for us to use where we can use this tool to uh, relocate staff and uh, all all the equipment that we can use. Again, when we were talking about the SLA, the 48 hours, shows on the bottom right. Uh, and runs. And again, the chart shows. How we doing on the response time, and uh, what the complaint rate is on by each district, so we can relocate or allocate the uh, the staff to a appropriate area.
0: Mr. Bang, I have a number of questions on this slide, please. Sure. In the future, I would like to request that that. Uh, Information like this there's a lot of very useful and interesting information. It's too much for one slide Yes, I would like in the future to request that when we have presentations on any matter that when you have so much data For us that you break it up on on two or three more digestible slides So thank you. And so I mean I have uh, some basic questions on this first of all um, What is a service level agreement and who is this agreement between?
9: It's uh, between us, and I think we came up with a service agreement on the type of uh, request itself. Or street cleaning is basically 48 hours to respond.
0: But who are we, who are we, who, who's, who's the agreement with? Who are we? It's really the with the public. With it's the really public. with the
2: public. I mean, this is our, uh, I mean, 311 asks us and CBDs, anyone with whom they have kind of a, a, a reporting and allocating relationship, what should we tell the public they can expect to see this work completed within? So the agreement is established with 311, but it's really to provide the public with an idea of, you know, when can I expect to see this work completed? And so we use that to then measure our response time, and that slide is busy, full of information, we really felt like we could do a separate presentation on all the statistics and all the data that we do collect and measure. But since this presentation was really about the relationship with 311, we didn't want to dive too much into that. But I, I hear your point, Chair Post, that there's a lot of information in that slide. OK, so just to understand, it's not an official agreement. It's not a document. It's not an
0: uppercase no. <laughs> SLA. It's it's a handshake with the public. It's
2: Yeah, and we do provide 311 will tell the public the expectation is this should be completed within 48 hours. So while it's, you know, um, there's no SLA police that you could call if we fail to get it done, that's to give them a sense of how long they, you know, when should they call back if they haven't seen action.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Newhouse Siegel.
3: Thank you for your questions, uh, Chair Post. There were exa- I feel like there's going to be a,
0: a final exam on this. We should all know
3: it. So thank you. and this is how important we think what you do, and this is exactly what our constituents ask us about how this all happens, and we'd love to have the answers, and thank you. It sounds like you have a system for it. So um, can I suggest that maybe even in your, that th- this word agreements be taken out, so that expectation may be f- filled in, maybe you want to change that? I don't want to nitpick this, but we were all confused about who were the parties to this this agreement. So um, the whole reason that this commission exists is so that we can be transparent to the public and so they understand what's happening. So um, we're all trying really hard to make this transition to a a department that has a commission, so thank you. Um, I was going to ask this later, but since you asked, has the SAS commission seen this presentation?
0: No, they haven't. Though I did receive questions from some of those commissioners that I will be asking during today's presentation, but no, they haven't yet. We, this, this was at, at my request to have um, you know, a presentation to us on how 311 partners with Public Works. Thank you. But, but, but it's a very good point, and, and perhaps I'll, I'll speak to um, Chair Hartwig Schulman, and perhaps you'll <laughs> you will come back
2: for the show for them. So. Good. I, I will note though that SAS Commission has received presentations on. Our uh, service level agreements, how we do when we're tracking. So, they got our performance measures for the street cleaning. So, not the presentation specifically about our relationship with 311, but some of the questions you have about that one slide. Yes, they have had a presentation on that.
3: And you'll let us know when, when our exam is coming, right?
9: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Commissioner Zabi. And,
9: um,
5: thank you for the, I mean, uh, I. I like the, the presentation. I know I have my question about um, the, th- the, um, the slide with the 311 website. I like the fact that it actually shows the expected response time. This is but slide that's, 11. That's not Can on we the we pull app, that up, Secretary it? Fuller,
0: slide 11, please? Excuse me, Commissioner
5: Zowie. Oh, um, I'm a <clears throat> very loyal client of a, of 311 app everywhere I walk I use I use the app it's it's perfect I get I get a lot of uh, closed uh, closed cases but I never use it on a online on on my computer and the app does not have those expected response time list uh, is there any way maybe you can add we, we can add that to the app itself or to the to the request itself, maybe towards the end when you click Submit, it would tell you this is how long we're, our commitment is.
10: Yeah, no. We're always open to feedback when it comes to our through and mobile app. And we do have the ability on our mobile app for our customers to provide this feedback. So I'll definitely take this feedback into account and we'll definitely look into ways to show the service level agreement and the expected response times in each of these service requests. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: On that same topic, please, how are the expected response times determined? Where did this list come from, in other words?
9: This this is from our stats, uh, between 3 and 1 of response time. So when we close out the request, it does have a closing date. So you have a request where the call come in and when it's closed, where it's completed.
0: Right, yep. these are expected response time. And what I'm getting at is, as a citizen, I'm not happy with some of these response times. For instance, human-animal waste, 12 to 24 hours, to me, sounds too long. So maybe the bigger question is, how can the department improve its response times to 311 requests? Um, The 48-hour standard has not been met most of the time. And again, on some of these items, medical waste, another good example, 12 to 24 hours seems excessive to me. So I've got a couple a couple questions. Where does this come, where did this come from? Who who set the expected response time uh, parameters? And can we improve on any of them? Resetting them to be uh, more rigorous. A and B. Can we up our um, rate of response?
2: Maybe director. Maybe that's for short. Sure, sure, I can try to take a crack at that. So the response times were established by the department um and we work with 311 so we can make modifications uh, to the response times. I think uh, we while we have a service level agreement of you know 12 to 24 hours for waste, we do prioritize those requests and we do get to many of those requests well before that uh, time expires. I think part of our, balancing act is trying to ensure that we're giving realistic expectations. So while we always want to exceed our response time, we don't want to set a response time that's unrealistic for us, because then we'll have frustrated customers. Um, So I think one of the other things that we are balancing, 311 is a very useful tool, but it is. Not a perfect tool because it relies on someone notifying us, and we don't want to neglect parts of the city where people may not have the time to notify us or may not have the resources, you know, they may not have a smartphone that they can use. Um, so we try to balance our responses to the 311 requests with some of the proactive work that we do. And when we do the proactive work, we may uh, Address a 311 request, but we addressed it proactively, and it takes us a little time to catch up with that data matching. So, I think we do want to be mindful of um, kind of balancing these different types of approaches to street cleaning and, and make sure that we're not setting ourselves up for a, an unrealistic service level agreement. Um, this is what we look at regularly internally when we have our meetings to review how we're doing. We look at this data. We look at where are we seeing dips in our ability to respond to those service level agreements. Should we reallocate resources there? Are we um, seeing those dips in places where we have proactive work? So we're always trying to look at um, those factors and determine what the best uh, approach is. Um, So we can certainly continue to look at that. But I would be very cautious about, making a more rigorous response time that we're just unable to meet, because then people will say, you were supposed to be here you know, within four hours, and it's six hours later, and now I'm mad, versus 12 hours, and we got there in four, or we got there in six, and then they feel like we, we met their expectation.
0: Thank you, I do appreciate the importance of meeting expectations. Um, all right, in, in the future, as I said, this is all really good data, we won't labor it right now, but can we keep that slide up please? Slide 11 is a very important slide, thank you. I'd also in the future like to see data on how quickly we respond to 311 requests, how quickly we respond, um, how quickly they get routed from 311 to the right department, or, um, or the right uh, uh, non-city agency that responds, how quickly the situation is actually remedied once it's been responded to how quickly the ticket was closed out. So I think there are more metrics. I know Ms. Bidot is in the audience, (laughs) one of our uh, our rock star with metrics. So um, I just think there's more to dig into here. I think what you're hearing is, this is, as Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel said, and Commissioner's Abbey, where the rubber hits the road, even though we're not sanitation and streets commissioners, this is what we see as citizens and what we hear from constituents as needing remedying, as, as you know far better than we do. And so we care deeply about this issue and deeply about having the, the department perform to its highest level and not get trashed in the newspapers for not performing. So I think it's everyone's interest that we want to always uh, put the department's best foot forward on this and why we care so much about this.
2: Thank you, Chair Post. I think we could certainly come back and give this commission a presentation on our uh, performance metrics because it's 311 is one very useful tool. It's not the only tool and it's not the only thing we look at when we look at our performance metrics. So we viewed this presentation as really our relationship with 311. And we wanted to respond to your questions and give you a sample of what the data is and how we look at it. But uh, this, um, we weren't interpreting this presentation as an actual diving into our performance metrics. So we're happy to come back with that. Um, we were trying to put this just as contextual for the three one one partnership.
0: Thank you, uh, Commissioner Newhouse Siegel. Did you? Yeah, this is just. I, th- I
3: think this is fabulous and fascinating, and um, I would like to see not our commission, but perhaps uh, uh, Director Short, you could uh, discuss this with the Streets and Sanitation uh, Commission. I think that for them to have a noticed meeting that is, of course, all of our meetings are, and theirs are open to the public, but where they know that this is, is the subject, and they could see this maybe broken down so that each slide is not so dense, but so that they could see what, and I think your comment about saying what the time, the response time is, for instance, it's important to keep it realistic and so that people know what their expectations should be and what is realistic, but this is, this is great, the public should know this, and I don't think that they realize the way that it's noticed, it's just the way that we operate on our on our agenda that this is going to be this into how people really live and work and traverse San Francisco. So um, I'd like to see Streets and Sanitation delve into this more and uh, make it available to the the public uh, in a very uh, transparent way and uh, so that people expectations are important. They won't complain if their expectations are realistic and they know what to expect. So hopefully they won't complain. <laughs> okay, thank you.
0: Commissioner Zabi.
5: Yeah, and um, another question about, about the expected response time. I, I can see on the list four business hours and four hours. Like can you just clarify the difference between what the business hours and the regular hours are?
9: Um, I'm sorry, the business hour? So,
5: uh, I'll give you an example. Um, overflowing public garbage can, two hours. Uh, transit shelter platform, uh, oh, no, sorry. Uh, electronic appliance, for business hours.
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, those are also based from the, the location and the priority, uh, the safety part of it, too. Uh, I think for four hours uh, is a minimum of uh, respond time for the city can. Um, I think, well, I, I know the answer, I just wanted the public to understand mm-hmm. the
5: difference between the business hours and regular hours. So yeah. um, if there's electronic appliance on the street yeah. and it's a Saturday weekend, yeah. that's not going to be...
10: Yeah. Right? So a number of these service requests and the expected response times, they route based off of the request type selected. And some of these items like electronics and appliances, for example, they actually route over to Recology and Recology does have a business agreement where they kind of respond to these for service requests within these set amount of business hours. Oh. Now, when it comes to business hours versus hours versus regular hours, is that there could be times where in the evening, like overnight shifts, where the, it's not necessarily business hours anymore. It may take a few more you know, hours to get a response to. But other than that, most of the time, these all fall within the range of these uh, respective hours. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, if there are no more questions on slide 11, please continue.
9: All right, thank you. I guess, uh, like Director Short said, uh, the presentation here is more as a collaboration between us and public work. We'll be happy to show more details on on some of the stats presentation in the future. Some of the key factor uh, that we establish here is with 311, uh, communication with the public pertaining to requests, expecting service, complement, dispute, a uh, project initiative and street. The technologies that we have, uh, the data can send to our staff, like I said, via tablet, and uh, the, with technology, uh, our staff is always in the training mode. As we update our program or database, we'll, we'll get the training going and uh, ensure the appropriate triage from 311 to the right jurisdiction as far as the park and rec, uh, Caltran, et cetera. Uh, prevent escalating through regular meetings and communication. We do have a regular meeting with 311 uh, with some of these uh, cases where it's hard, it's, it's bouncing back and forth, so we have a regular meeting to see who can take care of what and a direct contact with the supervisor. Uh, effective problem solving, and, and that's the, the goal. We want to respond as soon as we can. And sometimes we share information with 311. Um directly will provide a direct contact with the supervisor on the field, so they know who to contact directly. The enhancement over time um, impact the response case like by location. Uh, sometimes, depending how the residents submit the request, a come the location might not be accurate, or a intersection that can be a little bit confusing. Of course, photo is very helpful for our, our staff to look at and then close it out. Uh, the duplication is always a challenge. Um, we're working really well with 311 to close out or close some of these duplication. We keep coming in, and sometimes it's not close, right and, and all that. Any question on this slide? The challenge, uh, the challenge is, uh, again, the technology challenge is always uh, go ongoing. We always have a training, a bi-weekly training with the staff, uh, make sure they document everything that they do. Um, we always find way to find work, do work a little easier than, uh, and more efficient. We also explore a way to capture some of these Items that's captured on 3-1-1 but not a proactive what we do. For example, sometimes you have a little patrol roll through the street and it's not respond to complaints but proactively cleaning a bus stop, brush up, or pick up bag. That's not, it's not recording on our stats. So we're working on trying to capture that stats itself. In um, addition to 311 database on our data resource, we review and performance. We are interested in addressing need community done regular notice that. So we attend community meetings and get the input, how we can respond to that. So uh, sometimes residents don't like to use the 311 app or call in, and we do this uh, community meeting so they can give us some of this input, how we can improve. Also the proactively done, like I said, that's not captured, and we would like to capture that when we show the next presentation to see some uh, most of the work that we do that's not shown on there. Uh,
0: Commissioner Lucille, did you have a question on this bullet, the keeping up with technology? I, point, I do have a question to uh, to Mr. Wang.
3: Yes, Wang. Excuse me. Uh, what I'd like to know, I'm looking up through our, our materials, what your title is and uh, just, you know, who, who you are, how you fit into this.
9: Myself? Yes. I'm an operation manager. I oversee field operation. Um, where we looked at the the requests, who we sent it to. Um, are you referring to the slide?
3: I'd like to know. Are do you are you a DPW? If you're with yes, our ma'am. operations department. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Sorry.
9: Yes. Uh, again, the the proactive work. Uh, where we're really working on that to get the information on there. Uh, the duplication of Ms. Short, do you I'm sorry, want to talk about uh, the baseline? I
0: have a question on the second bullet. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to go through them or not. Should, should I proceed? Yes, oh, okay. Would you like to?
9: No, go ahead. Other okay. Great.
0: This may be for Director Short. Um, so I just want to clarify that 311 is integrated into our street services program citywide, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And... Um, I presume you feel it's high value. Has this been an improvement in the way San Francisco receives public services, in your opinion?
2: Uh, yes. I do think it's, it is a very useful tool, um, and it helps us very efficiently measure our responses. Um, but I, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's one tool, and we want to look at making sure that we are not um, exclusively relying on through. people calling us or using the app to notify us. Um, because as I said, that, that may result in you know, disparities throughout the city um, based on who has the time and energy or the who's out and about um, to notify us.
0: And so we're always working on trying to improve, work with 311 and the CAO's office to improve it and improve our integration with it. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes that's fair statement. Great. Thank, thank you. Uh, I have a question. How do, how do we prevent what I would call squeaky wheel neighborhoods? who might use 311 a lot from pulling off resources that uh, should be going to other neighborhoods that, that may not use 311 very much? How do we, how do we manage that?
2: Yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of one of our uh, fundamental challenges. We look at trying to make sure that we are also um, uh, identifying areas throughout the city ourselves based on our crews experience and doing more proactive work. So running certain routes in, in different communities, regardless of how many calls we're getting. Um, if we know that there are hot spots for litter or illegal dumping, we may not get as many calls, but we see it out there every day. So we try to have that proactive work. And then how we capture that so that it's reflected in all of the work that we're doing is um what we're working on making it much easier for our staff in the field to essentially create what's called a field initiated service order so it's they sort of create their own service request because wow this whole block had litter you know i create a service request and then capture what was done and then it'll be reflected in our performance measures so we're working um that is through our own system, not directly through 311. But we're working to make that much more um, easy and efficient to do so that it doesn't take a lot of time for them to do that in the field. Because we have to balance capturing the data with doing the work.
0: And do you feel that, that, that the department has sufficient um, input in helping to improve the 311 system itself with the CAO's office, since we are the heaviest user of it among city departments?
2: I mean, I, I think we've had a very productive working relationship with 311. We yes. meet regularly with them, as as uh, Assistant Superintendent Vang said, and as Brian noted, they're they're very responsive to making adjustments. Um, if we have suggestions, uh, they're very good about also flagging. You know, this we noticed this is still open. Why is this still open? And then we have to try to diagnose. And oftentimes it's a it's a duplicate for something else, so it could have been closed. Um, But occasionally, you know something drops through the cracks. Did we get it? Did we not get it? Why is it still open? So I think it's it's been a, a very productive
11: working relationship
0: Good. Thank you. That concludes my questions on this bullet. I will have some on the next one Commissioner Turner
11: And I apologize if we You know are going out of order on the bullets, but I have a question on jurisdiction and I I see many of our CBD partners in the world and the audience today, so um, I think maybe this would be helpful. Uh, So often, um, I'm in my neighborhood, I think we all have these things happen in our neighborhood, Caltrans, a a bridge or something, a jurisdiction that um, our our partners aren't sometimes as responsive to getting out there, but they become the most glaring uh, areas of of blight and trash litter and so on and so forth. And so these service level agreements uh, which is our commitment to the community but these organizations also need to be participants why are they um, seemingly and i back on slide five i think they're the other non-city agencies but uh for all intents and purposes they're the most impactful ones in terms of the perception of what we experience that is they're that's usually the jurisdiction caltrans is one that keeps coming to mind um, where you know they will have a right-of-way that's just littered with things. It takes forever for them to get out there and clean it up. So it almost skews all of this good work. It almost skews the work of CBDs and others who are being extremely responsive, uh, but that, that 50 square you know feet of space, they just cannot touch. And so I guess my question is, uh, given that we're all focused on this, given that there is a real coalition around all these partners, why are we allowing seemingly... to have such an outsized impact on our collective work Well,
2: I'm not sure um, In terms of how we're allowing it. I think this this is one of the um, Challenges that we have In a city that other agencies we don't necessarily control what what they do Um, and uh, the state in particular is um, kind of, we can't boss them around. <laughs> There's kind of a hierarchy of um, a hierarchy, and the state is not beholden to the city to meet our service level agreements, for example. Um, and we've dealt with this, uh, and Deputy uh, City Attorney Tom helped me with another case where this. I was really trying to get the state to, to do something, and we didn't have the jurisdiction um, in that area, they did, and so we we escalated it through um, through the process there to, because that we, we that one was a was a safety concern. Um, so I think the best thing that we can do is we try to develop strong working relationships with our partners in these agencies, and certainly um, with Caltrans, Public Works will often do joint cleanup efforts. Um, if there's a an area that really needs support um we'll work with caltrans to try to get that cleaned up so that we can have that impact but it is challenging when we don't have jurisdiction over things um to hold other folks accountable if 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 they're not within our um our zone of influence
11: yeah and i I just my my guess my last point and it has to do i guess with balancing um, you know, I'd like to see, I guess, more 311 um, public campaigns, getting more people to utilize the app and others. Um, <clears throat> but I do think you just fundamentally going to still have skewed data uh, because there are these areas in the city where I think about up and down the Embarcadero, uh, in particular. And there's one, two, three, four CBDS who could touch but can't touch anything, um, including ourselves. And so I, I just think it's in. Interesting problem to have, Um, and more importantly, I it's unfortunate I think it's always going to skew your data because you can't control that very big um, public aspect of your work.
0: Commissioner Zavi,
5: Director Short. So again, I I use I use three one one app a lot. Is how how much access does Public Works have to all to the reports of Three one one, and how often um, is it? How often is it helpful to uh, change our process of proactive rather than reactive? Like for example, has has it, well, Was there any um, occasion where you saw a report and you saw a trend, and Public Works started a new a new uh, priority?
2: Yes. Thank you, Commissioner Zabi. Uh, great question. That um, So we have access to the data basically almost immediately, because most of the requests, as they come in to all electronically get transmitted directly to our tablets. Uh, we use auto triage functions to do that. So if it's clearly identified um, as street cleaning request, it has a photo, uh, litter it goes directly to the queue. And so it's almost instantaneous that the moment it gets entered into the app that it shows up on our on our queue. And the, they, they refresh, I, I think, every 10 minutes. 10 minutes. So 10. it's pretty consistently coming, coming in. Um, and then we have access to all of that information, because then it's also held within our own system. And that's actually what our performance team uses to look at when, so our when we close it in our system, it then routes it directly back to three one one as well, so they will see that, and we're working ideally seamlessly. Now we technology comes with challenges, and so we have had times where one system or the other you know had a had an issue, and then we might have a bunch of cases kind of stack up that we weren't seeing in real time, but that's fairly rare, and we troubleshoot with the team, whether it's on our side or 311 side, to get that resolved very quickly. Um, and to your second question, yes, this is, this is the value of using our, our data to try to drive our operations. And um, so our performance team looks at this uh, data. We look at where we have a lot of requests or a lot of challenges, and then we look at what, what can we do. So we've developed a number. I'll use our Pit Stop program, which is one of our flagship programs, I think. That was a direct result of requests for for steamer requests for waste on sidewalks. And we thought, well, how can we try to address this? And we created the Pit Stop program, which is creating publicly accessible toilets that are safe, that we targeted based on where we had the highest incidence of requests for waste for steam cleaning. So that's one way that we use that data to come up with a proactive program to really try to address it. And we did see a decline in steamer requests in the areas where we've opened our pit stops. So um, that's one example that I'll use. Another example would be we uh, greatly increased the amount of um, basically uh, block cleaners in the tenderloin as a result of that community has a lot of need, and frankly, we could probably double the amount of people that we have out there, and, and we would still have challenges, but um, you know, that was looking at the number of requests we were getting for just that one part of our zone, um, and so we increased the proactive work that we're doing. We have teams of people who are out there just with their rolling trash cans just cleaning the same few blocks all day long because there's a high need. So we are trying to use that data um, to both reallocate resources that we have within our existing programs, and then also come up with new approaches to um, to try to address the, the concerns that we identify. Thank, Thank you for teeing that up for me. <laughs>
5: Thank you. And my next question for uh, Mr. Wong. Um, Brian? Thank you. Sorry. Um, with... Um, so I'm, again, I use, I use it on my app, I don't use it online. Now, when, when someone, not, it doesn't happen on, on the app, but if someone submits a request online and it tells them, okay, well now it's in the queue, it's an open case, does it actually tell the public who is it going to be routed to?
10: Currently, it does not tell who is it currently being routed to, because we like to call the city just the city as a whole. Um, so the status would just stay as open until closed by the department agency. You can do a follow-up call 2311 and provide them with the service request number, since that is the unique number there. And you can ask where is it currently lying in, as well as what is any additional notes or statuses, updates provided by the department agency. Thank you.
0: I'm pleased to hear you use the app a lot, Commissioner Zabi. Does this mean North Beach is one of my squeaky wheel neighborhoods? (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing. No, no,
5: it it doesn't. But also, there's uh, one feedback. uh, It won't let me submit unless it's anonymous now, currently, so I couldn't, a- I couldn't put my, so you can't, you can't catch me, that's good.
0: <laughs> Thank you, if we could go back please to uh, slide 13. Thank you, I have a question about baseline services. What are the city's baseline services that are required to be provided by uh, Public Works and are they the same for every neighborhood in the city?
9: I guess uh will turn that over to mr i'll take this one
2: it is a it's a complicated question um and it is not it is not um consistent so when uh cbd is established the city um provides our baseline level of service what are we currently doing um consistently in that area and um so we depending on where, you know, you, we would have to look at each individual um, CBD area to tell you exactly what the baselines are. But I'll, I Could, can give you some examples.
0: Uh, can I I'm sorry. Interrupt. Sure. Is there, does the city of San Francisco have a document, a law, that says we will provide these services to the citizens of San Francisco? Is there sort of a baseline service document, if you will? So you're saying no. So it's sort of like the SLAs. It's just kind of a a promise.
2: Well, so there is a document that for each CBD.
0: But only if there's a CBD, you're saying. So citywide, there's no, I live wherever I live, Bernal Heights, just to make something up. I don't think there's a CBD there, there might be. I I can't, when I move here, call the city and say, hey, I'm a new taxpayer, I'm a new resident. What, what What services can I expect in my neighborhood? There's no...
2: There's no document like that. We we do have on our website, we, we publish all of our services on a citywide basis. But so general, you can, but
0: they're general though, right? Trash can cleaning. I mean
2: yeah, is that right? Yeah, yes. But they will say things like our mechanical street sweeping. So that's a perfect example of what the baseline of service is.
0: But there are no that, figures attached. So I don't know if I'm in Bernal Heights, how often my sidewalk will be steam cleaned, for example.
2: Well that's a you picked one of the most challenging questions because The sidewalks are sidewalk maintenance and cleaning is actually, by state law, the responsibility of the adjacent property owner. So while we do do a lot of that work, it is not our baseline of service. And we do that on a more reactive basis, although with some of our proactive work, like the clean corridors program, we do a proactive courtesy cleaning of sidewalks um, along those clean corridors so that's well, a bad example for that, but you know what i'm saying it's well it's it's a great example because i think it gets to what is challenging about baseline of service so when we when an, a cbd is established the city identifies what are the existing services that are consistently provided to that area because by state law again we cannot reduce our level of service the cbds are Uh, providing additional service. Oh, the city's not allowed to say like, oh, thank goodness you're here. We're going to reduce our services and put them somewhere else. So we are obligated to maintain that baseline of service. But if you look at what those baselines were, they tended to be the mechanical sweeping routes and then reactive response to 311 because we did not have, we do have some consistent steam cleaning of city assets, like city trash cans. So in some parts of the city, those are on a monthly schedule. Sometimes they're more frequent. Again, it depends on the neighborhood. But the the baseline for things like 311 was, as we get them, we'll respond to them. We didn't have an established level of service for the quantity of 311. So that became this challenge that we have now that some of the CBDs are are responding to 311s, and there's a lot of logic to that. They're they're very uh, neighborhood-focused. How do we ensure that we're not reducing our baseline of service? And I think the way that we do that, and we're looking at this right now with our teams, is uh, we, we make sure that we are consistently still in those communities, but documenting that is kind of why we have this on the challenge list. So we've been talking with our performance team about looking at what those baselines were, and really kind of identifying a frequency that we were going to those areas and making an equivalency in terms of uh, staff hours, for example. So, if, if I'll take our, our East CBD because they're here with us today, you know, when they were established, how many staff hours were we spending responding to 311s in that area? And then we have to ensure that we're continuing to provide that same level of staff hours, whether it's through proactive cleaning. Now we have corridor workers in that area. So I think I feel very confident we haven't reduced our baselines of service because we've added a lot of proactive work that we didn't used to do. But we need to make sure that we can defend and document that so that we are not in any concern that anyone may have of violating that state law. So we're looking at how we document that now, and then establishing what were those in terms of a, a different metric than just 311 responses. The last thing I'll just say on that is, I do want to note the um, one of the big big responses that, 3, that the CBDs are able to do much more quickly is graffiti on private property. Because the city does not abate graffiti on private property unless and until we go through a very extensive process of notifying that property owner, giving them the opportunity to fix it, and then only if they are unresponsive does the city abate it, unless they've opted into our new proactive uh, graffiti abatement program. 311. I'm sorry, CBDs have a a relationship with those property owners because they are paying their tax increment. And they, in many cases, have that as part of their um, established level of service. So they can go out and actually clean the private graffiti very quickly. So that's an example where the 311 going to them makes much more sense. If it came to us, we would start this much lengthier process that we have to follow. But going to them, it's really not a reduction of baseline of service. We don't provide that service. So I think we also need to keep in mind when we talk about the 311s. There are some things that CBDs do that are not our um, baseline of service and, and sidewalk cleaning is one of those, except that we do do it on a courtesy basis. So it's 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 very nuanced,
0: <laughs> or loosey goosey, depending on <laughs> what adjective you want to yes. use. I guess a couple things, and one will be for another day. I won't belabor it here. I'm a little surprised and unhappy that there aren't isn't aren't formal baseline city services in San Francisco, what I can expect no matter where I live from the city, because it sounds like you scored if you're living a CBD, because you'll get Public Works' baseline services, whatever they are, plus you're gonna get CBD services on top. But that's that's not right. That's not right for neighborhoods that don't have CBDs. And I guess second, it just—I it, would think this would make it hard for not just the department but the community benefit districts to measure their own metrics on how they're doing. Because if they're really only supplementing what the city provides, how do they report to their assessed property owners that that they're upholding that obligation? How do they tell their assessed property owners they're not doing the city's jobs for them? So I understand. That, you know, this is still. You're being improved and I'm really grateful that the dialogue is robust between the department and the CBDs but um, it's definitely not a perfect system far from it and um, I guess I uh, are, are there are there any other non-city agencies that supplement what we call baseline services besides community benefit districts in San Francisco, mm-hmm. or are we just really talking about CBDs or bids? No.
2: I think uh, there are uh green there is a green benefit district um and so i do again i do want to emphasize that there's not a standard uh, document that says in this neighborhood you get this benefit at this time but we do have information on what the baselines of service are at the neighborhood level in terms of street sweeping and other things as well on our website tree pruning that's one that's changed so Historically, we were only responsible for pruning a, a, you know, a, roughly a third of the, of the street trees. And when most of the CBDs were created, that's, that was the service. It depended on the tree and the location, whether or not it was the city's responsibility or the, or the property owner's responsibility. And in some cases, the CBDs took that on. So I think what's new, and I do want to make this point, until recently, the CBDs were not using, they were not responding to 311 requests so that still was the baseline of what the city provided now that the some cbds have chosen to participate and because it's a very good tracking tool as we've seen now we have to really clarify what the baseline was because historically the city was the only one responding to those 311 requests so we weren't reducing if we were continuing to respond to them so i think now we're in a new it's a it's a relatively new system where they're taking some of those on. How do we ensure that we're not reducing our baseline? And then the last thing I'll say is, some people would say, yes, you scored if you live in a CBD. Others would say, you're paying that tax increment. So they may, not, they may say, I'd rather clean my own sidewalk <laughs> and not pay the tax increment. So I think it, you know, there, there's a reason why it's above and beyond. It's because you're paying that tax increment.
0: And I can attest that there are assesses that want to know why they are paying the CBD assessment when they're paying their taxes. That definitely is a sentiment among CBD owners. I will only conclude before uh, uh, recognizing Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel that um, it seems to me this whole baseline services notion is, is very, as I said, loosey-goosey. It's really predicated on experience, and that changes constantly. It's a moving target, depending on staffing, weather, a pandemic empty office high rises full office high rises empty residential buildings full resident i mean it really i mean you're you're you you have to respond to maintain a a quality of life that's decent in san francisco but that's going to change as conditions change so again this is for another day and a much bigger discussion than just public works but public works is really the lead entity i would argue on providing basic city services and keeping the public realm and right of way uh, decent for all of us. So I appreciate you engaging with me today in this conversation. Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel.
3: I just want to thank you all, and you especially, Chair Post, about bringing up the issue of, I don't know, the CBDs equal uh, squeaky wheels? <laughs> so uh, for how this all works and... Thank you all for bringing this forward there's a lot more that has to be cleared up not just to us and to sas and to the public, but this is these are the questions that we should be able to answer I, they're not easy to answer, but we we know that there's all this work being done in this and and uh, wow, I want to opens up a whole bunch more questions, but we know that when we don't have answers for People who say, "Oh, you're on public works commission. Tell me why isn't my street clean? Why, are, why isn't my trash? Why is my trash container overflowing? You know, all these we're trying, and this, these are the metrics for how it's measured, but only how it's measured. And I'd like to." I'm not sure. I, I still think that maybe SAS should hold an open public hearing about this. About have the different departments have 311 report to them and the public and the all the different entities that are responsible for keeping our city our right of way clear. So thanks. This is it's good. It's we have lots more questions to ask. Thank you,
7: Commissioner Wolford.
6: Uh, first of all, thank you Jonathan and Byron for the pres- Brian for the presentations very informative really helpful sparked a lot of conversation I would ask as a follow-up for director short I think it would be helpful for us informationally to actually see the mapping of the city to understand where the benefit districts are across the city uh, I don't exactly know where all of them are jurisdictionally, and I think um, the public would like to know as well
0: Thank you. We will follow up with that uh, commissioner Turner
11: i feel like we've opened a pandora's box um and i really do for um, several reasons and i i do think and i've spent a lot of time with staff and i i think we need to, to potentially look at slide 11 sorry slide 13 because i'm um uh, this question of baseline of service, just to be clear, we provide the same baseline of service everywhere. What 311 does, is just its a batch system, it's logistics, it's getting to that place. But if anyone calls and they need anything from our department, we're going to show up rain, sleet, snow, 24 hours a day. So I think that this is almost a misnomer, the way it's, it's coming off. And so I think that we need to, to clarify that. The second thing, and given the amount of work we've done on public works, workforce development, which we're going to get, for, get to, um, the thing that we cannot forget is public works is the backbone of the city. We are the collaborator. Uh, so many things are essential and necessary. But because of that, it makes it very difficult sometimes to track things, particularly matrix. Um, and so in this particular uh, instance, where I'm I guess, and I think there needs to be maybe a different conversation. It is not necessarily about baseline, but what is our jurisdiction? What is the CBD's jurisdiction? And so when something goes into 311, all they're doing is triaging, right? And they're saying, well, this person, this, and this person, that, well, great. And let's just make sure that it doesn't get commingled, or if it does, let's make sure that the credit is duly being applied where it needs to be applied. Um, I just think, and I've encountered this in many places with Public Works, I'm grateful uh, that we're the glue, I'm grateful that we're the backbone, but it also makes it very challenging to track things, uh, particularly the very simple things that our citizens ask of us, uh, but because of our collaborative nature with so many departments, I think it's just very hard to answer. And I think this is just one of those that maybe it does take some time for us to dissect some of these things so that, one, we're on public documents, things are very clear and transparent, but also to the public when they ask these questions, we can have ready responses.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Turner. Are there any other questions or comments before we open public comment on this item? Is he done? Is that done? Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, you, you weren't. Fin- I beg your pardon. You weren't <laughs> finished with your presentation, Mr. Vang. Please continue.
9: All right. Thank you. Um, We're in uh, ongoing coordination with co- collaborating with 311. That regular meeting, we addressed the uh, duplicate. I think I, I spoke a little bit about duplication. Three and one recently had a pilot where they uh, start to check photos, uh, pictures of graffiti, for example, when, uh, when we issue a notice for 30 days uh, to abate, et cetera, and we still constantly get in the call for same location and that would be closed out as a duplicate. So 3 and one is currently doing this pilot where they can compare the photos from the previous, so we can close that out. So that's on the, the duplication. And as, uh, we talk a little bit about the jurisdiction part. We're collaborating and working with all other city agency with the right contact, just in case we're sometimes we have to uh, plan and organize the cleanup within together with Rec and Park, Caltrans. Um, and then the, the public expectation. I uh, just want to mention on these expectation when we talk about the SLA, uh, there are plan where. We, for encampment-related, the expectation from the general public when they ask us to clean encampment, they expect us to move the unhoused part, which is not a part of public work. We're actually going to clean out. So they might see the request as close as cleanup, and they're not happy with that because of the tent is set up. So that's one of the expectations we'd like to put out there. Uh, And again, the the message is why, why it's not clean and stuff like that. So yeah, that's all I have for this slide. Any other question? No. All right. Let's conclude my slide on this. Uh, slide shows basically we also uh, recommend or advise the resident to contact three one one for this for for this main purposes to uh, to document and help us uh, to assign folks to the better area we also have it on our public Work website where they can go to our website and click on the 301 app and they can submit all that information on 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 that app also with that said I'm leaving for any additional question
0: Thank You mr Van commissioner Siegel did you have an additional
7: yes
3: so Thank you so much, you know, I think we're concentrating so much on this, and you put so much time into this and uh, that we do have to remember director short's comments that our department does this work proactively every day, and this is just this is just a backup so that the community can tell us what what they think we should we should be looking at so thank you I think that we have to Keep this all in perspective, and uh, I do want to comment on Director uh, Director Walford's comment. Uh, not, excuse me, Commissioner Walford's comment. Can we please get a um, a map of the CBDS and where they are because they do get different services, and that would be great. And maybe if somebody from that particular department could report to us about how they how they interact with um, with basic services, that would that would be great. But this is helpful, and we spent a lot of time on it. And it is what people talk about, but you do this work every day, and that's what you don't hear. These are, all, these are the squeaky wheels, and this is where they... I don't know. I, want, I don't want to mix my metaphors, but whatever. So, thank you.
9: Thank you.
0: Any other questions or comments from Mr. Vanger Mr. Wong before we open this to public comment? Thank you. Secretary Fuller, please open this
1: item to public comment. Members of the public who wish to make three minutes of comment in person on item six, the Public Works collaboration with 311 may line up against the wall furthest from the door over by the screen. And um, anyone commenting from outside the chamber, if you're in the webinar, please press the raise your hand button. And if you have called in, press, press star three on your phone to be recognized. And no one has approached to speak on this item in person. And TV has also indicated we do not have any callers on this item either. So that concludes public comment.
0: Thank you. I'd like to thank you both again, Mr. Wong and Mr. Vang, for this presentation. I certainly learned a lot today. Thank you, Director Short, also, for responding to the Commission's questions. I think we'll be seeing topics related to this coming up in the future, both with us and with sanitation and streets. So thank, thank you to all. It is 1049. I would like to suggest a uh, short break. How about uh, 10 minutes until 11 o'clock and for the next agenda item? So we will recess until 11 o'clock. Thank you.
7: Thank you.
0: Break. Secretary Fuller, please call the next item on the agenda.
1: Item seven is the Department of Public Works Workforce Development Grant Making update. And uh, Apprenticeship Supervisor Althea O'Brien is here to present. Uh, and this is an informational item.
13: Good morning, Chair Post, Commissioners, Carlin, our guest. I'm Althea once again. On here it says Warren. I am not Warren, I'm Althea. So this is the workforce development grant making update, Our workforce development city-wide ecosystem. So who defines the workforce development in San Francisco? And what role does public works play in this ecosystem? And on the left, you can see um where we fall into the ecosystem at the top we have the office of economic and workforce development on the left the committee on citywide workforce development um we're here when you come down on the right hand side of the branch public works and under public works is our apprenticeship programs and workforce grant making grant making and our workforce development portfolio So San Francisco city policy requires a workforce development component to any department grants. Public works grants serve as a first step in our workforce development pipeline. Grant programs serve a workforce pool that faces significant barriers to employment and builds foundational skills necessary to participate in traditional apprenticeship or entry level employment opportunities. So, you might be asking what types of services do our grantees provide? They provide tree watering and planting, job readiness training, clean uh, city can steam cleaning exposure to public works-related job skills and experience, pit stop, um, our pit stop program, the public toilet monitoring, basic computer and financial literacy, block sweeping and cleaning, landscape maintenance, tree nursery, um, basic skills relating to maintaining employment, attendance, timekeeping, communication, and professionalism. So who do our grantees serve? And I just want to make note here that the statistical information and data that you are going to see throughout this presentation is for quarter one and quarter two for the fiscal year 2023-2024. So thus far, the total count of participants for quarter one and quarter two is 355. And you can see um, our program providers, Hunter's Point, Mission Hiring Call, community um, CYC, Community Youth Center, um, Landval Family Foundation, Friends of the Urban Forest, and San Francisco Clean City. Once again, you can see the groups that the um, program providers monitor and the numbers that are broken down. So who do our grantees serve? And um, throughout this presentation, you'll be able to see what I would say is an excellent representation of the participant age by um, programs, the participant race and gender identity, and uh, also the priority populations that we serve, and the area of residence where our program participants come from. So first is the Friends of the Urban Forest. Friends of the Urban Forest, FUF, is a San Francisco nonprofit with a mission to revitalize San Francisco's urban forest, build community, and help address environmental challenges. FUF operates three workforce development programs under its grant with Public Works. Um, You can see the breakdown of the program participants, 17, um, the program participants by program. You can, on the right-hand side, you can see, on my right at least, the participants' race and gender identity breakdown, participant age, also program outcomes, the number of employment offers during program the number of interviews during during the program. And just to note here with the number of interviews during the program, that means the number of interviews the program participants um, have been invited to, and we also have the total number of completed training hours for all participants. So to uh, further break down the information data that we have on FUF, once again, it's a nonprofit within, uh, with a mission to revitalize San Francisco. So this is our tree planning and nursery operations workforce development grant. There's 814 street, uh, trees planted to date. 1,000 plus is expected by the end of the grant. Approximately 1,000 trees are watered per week and 1,500 young tree and emergency tree care visits, new uh, roots trainees assisting in the establishment of new street tree nursery. Six-month training curriculum includes classroom and hands-on lessons in urban ecology, arboriculture, uh, and career readiness training, financial literacy, and resume prep job applications. Participants applying for open city positions for both job placement and familiarity with application procedures, and three participants have transitioned thus far to full-time employment, two with FUF and one with SF Unified School District. Public Works and FUF are developing a career pathway to guide and assist with further training and employment opportunities. It's a lot of information. Any questions or
0: good? Okay. I'll hold mine, believe it or not, for the end. But I will have questions on certain slides.
13: Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Next is our um, CYC, which is Community Youth Center. It's a San Francisco nonprofit with a mission to provide the culturally diverse youth of the community with resources to help them thrive and prepare for the future. And you can see the breakdown here on the left-hand side is the total count of participants for quarter one and two, and then the uh, participants by program, participant age. I want to note here too with the uh, priority populations. Um, Let's see. There is mention that um, there are some barriers with uh, this service population, language barriers but um cyc is continuing continuing to enroll those and hard to place um, individuals in esl classes so the grant funds are used to support cyc's power wash mobile team a workforce development program (laughs) that provides sidewalk and curb sweeping litter collection and city can cleaning CYC's Power Wash mobile team provides employment pathways for primarily monolingual, low income and formerly incarcerated individuals who face multiple barriers to to employment through job readiness training and work experience. The Power Wash mobile team cleans each of the 3,671 city cans at least once a month with 511 locations receiving twice monthly service. The Power Wash mobile team also performs sidewalk and curb cleaning along 254 blocks around the Chinatown area. 90% of the participants fully complete and graduate from the program. Even with program training modules, English language proficiency is a continuing challenge for job placement. Next, we have Hunters Point Family, and it's um, a San Francisco nonprofit whose workforce development programs leverage and uplift the unique skill set and wisdom within our community to create employment opportunities and public stewardship. And we can see here the total count of participants for quarter one and two. 193 we can see the breakdown of the age on your right hand side participants race and gender identity uh, program outcomes is the same for all of our programs along with priority populations. Um, Hunters Point family improved public health the provision of accessible restroom facilities aimed to enhance public health by reducing instances of public urination and defecation, which can contribute to the spread of diseases and unsanitary conditions. We have cleaner streets because of the pit stops. The ability of more restroom facilities should lead to a decrease in instances of human waste on sidewalks and streets, resulting in cleaner public spaces enhance public perception. A successful pit stop program can positively influence the overall perception of cleanliness and hygiene in San Francisco among both residents and visitors. There's increased accessibility. Ensuring restroom facilities are accessible to all members of our community including individuals with disabilities, seniors, and those experiencing homelessness is a key goal of this program. Reduce environmental impact. By minimizing the presence of human waste in public areas, the um, program contributes to a healthier environment and reduced pollution. Program participants maintain and manage public work pit stops, public toilets at 21 locations around the city. Program participants also provide additional block cleaning at all 21 locations. And since the inception of the program, Hunters Point family has graduated more than 70% of participants from the program, promoted 40% of participants And to supervisor and management positions within the organization, and twenty percent of participants have obtained employment with the city. Uh, Landval Family Foundation, um, another provider, is a San Francisco nonprofit whose mission is to amplify the employment and educational opportunities of young adults and San Francisco who have been impacted by poverty, incarceration, and underemployment. And the total uh, program participants, they're 17. Once again, you can see the breakdown by age, the area of residence in which the participants live in, the participant race and gender identity, program outcomes, and priority populations. And just a parenthetical insert here, this um, land vault began in August with us of 2023, Um, provide career development to priority populations, including long-term unemployment residents, people with disabilities and formerly justice system-involved individuals who face many barriers to employment and growth, enable workers to earn a living wage, provide professional development, such as data collection, training, and customer service skills to participants while they receive social service support and direct supervision, connect the unhoused with housing shelter assistance services and encourage people with substance abuse and mental health challenges to seek treatment. Program participants perform sidewalk and curb cleaning for 14 blocks, four times a week. Program graduation rate for the recent fiscal quarter is 27%. And just to note that um, previously we weren't monitoring placement rates. Um, As the initial monitoring goal, we set a 35% placement rate. However, going forward um, in our new contracts and contract extensions, we will have a placement goal of 70% which is um, on par with other workforce development programs in the city. Mission Hiring Hall, um, a nonprofit whose mission is to provide job seekers with San Francisco residency, employment counseling training, and support service referrals, as well as job readiness training to succeed in their search. And there is a total of 95 participants. And you can see the breakdown here. Once again, by um, age, the area of residence, our priority populations. I want to make note here, our priority populations, which are long-term unemployment or active or formerly justice involved individuals, women and gender minorities, public housing residents, public benefit recipients, homeless or formerly homeless, and individuals with disabilities. Uh, Mission hiring hall. Uh, once again, improve public health. The pro- uh, vision of Mr. Expense- Bryan, I'm starting to interrupt oh. you. If on this right. one, since this yeah. is the
0: same as Hunter's Point family, maybe yes. you could just summarize the um, paragraphs on the right-hand side of the slide, since the ones on the left.
13: Yes, Would they you- are the same. So on the uh, on the on my right-hand side, the program participants maintain and manage public works pit stop public toilets at 11 locations around the city. And the program participants also provide additional block cleaning at four of the 11 locations. And since the inception of this program in September of 2023, they have graduated five participants from the program. And San Francisco Clean City Coalition, um, it's a nonprofit organization established in 1991, focused on greening and beautifying the city. And the information here is broken down once again by um, age, priority populations, so on and so forth. This program, a uh, tree watering workforce development grants, they uh, weekly water 2,800 trees. Um, weekly employment readiness workshops are covered. Weekly advanced training workshops and projects include tree pruning, street tree planting, soils and erosion control, and um, also participants engaged in 36 job interviews July 2023 to January 2024. Seven out of 14 participants were placed in employment, earning $17 to $22 per hour from July 23 to January 24. Employment includes vehicle driver, caterer, IT tech, Custodian and other nonprofit jobs. And here is a breakdown of our grant program process. So if we begin on my left, on my left, it's we begin with the grant scope development, and under that is public service needs are identified. And then the scope is coordinated with public works service manager. Then we move on to the pre-proposal conference. And under that, we, have, uh, we review the scope with parties interested in submitting our RFPs. We review city contracting rules and requirements. And we then clarify any questions regarding granting process or scope of grant. And then we move on to the RFP submissions. Under that, we have criteria development and scoring methods, independent panel reviews, and score submissions. Then we award the grant, review the expectations, review grant requirements and reporting instructions. After we'll finalize the grant agreement and then initiate the grant. And under that, there are quarterly meetings between the program managers and grantees, quarterly reporting submissions and reimbursement requests. And the goals of our workforce um, development is to provide opportunities for career and skill development, deliver services that improve San Francisco, support our priority populations, and remove traditional barriers, provide technical support and guidance to grantee organizations to meet our goals. Um, And here um, are each program's uh, goals, as you can see here, for the pit stop, summer youth, tree planting, watering, block cleaning and trash can steam cleaning. And that concludes our presentation. Any questions? Thank you, Ms. O'Brien very much for representing Mr. Hill today.
0: I do have a few questions. Um, Slide 12, if we could pull that up, that was Hunter's Point family. And you mentioned since the inception of the program, the uh, graduation rates and promotions. How long have we been working with Hunter's Point Family? Do you or does someone here know how long we've been? I just want some context for those numbers. Those Are, are those big numbers or those little numbers? I
2: was just curious. Um, I can try to address that one, Chair Post. Um, Hunter's Point Family is actually one of the uh, grantees with whom we've had a longer standing relationship. It's been about six years, uh, nine years, nine years, apologies. And if I also may just note, we do have a number of representatives from many of the the, um, nonprofits here today. So I don't know if you um, want them to introduce themselves. um, Or if you had any specific questions, we can ask some of the representatives to speak to those. That's fantastic. Thank
0: you very much. I'd like to invite them all to come to the podium.
12: Oh, good morning, Commissioner. I'm Sarah Wan. I'm the Executive Director of CYC Community Youth Center. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been a wonderful working relationship with the DPW team. Thank you.
14: Good morning. My name is Mr. Lanville. i with Lanville Family Foundation. It's an honor to be here. This is my first time in this house.
15: Hello. My name is Albert Lee. I'm with our Lanville Family Foundation. It's an honor to meet everyone here.
16: Good morning, Chair, Posts and Commissioners. Brian Wiedenmeyer, Executive Director of Friends of the Urban Forest, and it's great to be back. Happy to answer any questions you have about our relationship and grants.
17: Hello, Commissioners. Um, my name is Michelle Leonard Bell, and I am the Executive Director at Mission Hiring Call, so we're probably the latest service provider added. We joined in September. Um, team here, Johnny Fort, Operations Director, um, Daniel Broshkovich, also a director on the program, and this is a longtime board member, Mark Ferrar of Mission Hiring Call. Really good to meet you all.
0: Thank you all for being here. I'm delighted. Stay up, stay up, stay here because <laughs> I do have some questions and maybe they're group questions and you could draw straws for who answers or specific questions. Um, The number of of interviews during... I I make sure I understand the statistics on some of the slides when we show number of uh, interviews during the program and then the number of employment offers during the program. Any thoughts from any of you on how to boost those numbers, how to get your participants to get more job interviews in the pipeline and then how to get get more offers?
16: Thank you, Chair Post, for that question. The first thing I'd like to just... uh, uh, Clarify for context for everybody. So we have an annual grant. Friends of the Urban Forest does. You notice um, uh, we're reporting on quarter one and quarter two numbers. But for us at Friends of the Urban Forest, for instance, our grant started in September of 2023. So we are only reporting those figures that you see up there through September through December. So we're looking at just a slice of what I think for most of us are annual grant numbers. So that's the first. And these are so they're not complete for the total grant. Also, the deliverables, at least for our grant, uh, for those placement numbers, the 35% placement, that is for six months post-intervention. So we won't have complete numbers to report on these grants for both interviews and for job placement until 18 months from the start of the grant period. Also, we have these six-month cohorts. So at least at Friends of the Urban Forest, we're running through two cohorts over the course of this grant period. So um, that's context. How to get those numbers up, um, we're working very closely first with Public Works and our city partners to make sure that there is that pipeline and connection. At least at Friends of the Urban Forest, all of our uh, workforce development grant participants are doing uh, submitting city job applications, as a both as a practice on how to do it, and as a way to make sure that folks are being interviewed and considered for these positions. So those are some brief thoughts from me.
0: Great, thank you very much. And I apologize for my confusion then on the figures, and thank you for explaining that to me. I'd love to hear from each of you what, what goes well with your relationship with Department of Public Works and areas you could see for improvement?
17: Um, hello, Commission. We started in, um, so the numbers that are being reported are 15 days in the first quarter and then the second quarter, three months, and we've already graduated five participants to unsubsidized employment. So our goal, because Mission Hiring Call has been a longtime workforce development organization. We started in 1971. We're, we're kind of really good at when folks meet us. This is the last program that they'll be involved in. And so we've been crunching some numbers internally with these participants, because we've not done this type of work before. So with the participants that are enrolled right now, over 60% of the folks that are working on pit stops of the 11 they have tremendous barriers to employment. And so one thing that we hope to do, and we've been speaking with Dejada Jordan and her team, they've helped us onboard successfully with this program. Um, We've been thinking, how can we apply a really strong workforce development lens to these folks that want to elevate their careers and get on a career path and a career track? Um, Some of the folks, you know, this is where they are, and that's okay. Um, But we do see participants who want something more and so what we would love to see is more funding put into the workforce development part of it because what we don't want to do is just have folks working at these pit stops and it not be the 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 outcome for their lives um so i'll pause there if there's any questions for me thank you
12: Commissioner, I think for CYC as we mentioned, we work with a lot of like language barrier populations. That has been extremely challenging because you don't learn a language in one month, so three months, and you really have to learn very practical vocational like uh, especially vocabulary in order to succeed. So it has been quite challenging to actually to place a lot of these graduates into our city department because there's a certain language requirements. So we've been working with like school district or airport, also like private cleaning company to see how we can actually see more placement together. But um, that they have been working really diligently and they really earned a special skill set to be a power, power washer Steamer, so it, it does really take them to a, a much better career pathway in earning a living wages for many of these low-income household. And but, is this because most of these young um, youth are recent immigrants to actually the country? many of them are actually parents of these youth that we are actually supporting. I That's see. why the age group is not youth but more like adults. So most of them are new immigrant parents um, are I coming see. to U.S. Thank you. Any other comments on what goes well, when what, what
0: can be improved, and please?
15: Oh, I just uh, want to mention, um, for our clientele, uh, sometimes the interview numbers are reported kind of low, they still have, I won't say distrust, but a lot of times when people say, oh, I interviewed for another job, they're worried that, oh, I might lose this job. So I know a lot of interviews are unreported to us when they do seek it. The other thing that I've also found out at that because uh, we are part-time, we do four days a week at four hours a day. It's kind of minimal. Since so some of our participants uh, might be on some other type of subsidy or income, and or worry about losing benefits. So, yeah, you know, we can't hire someone and say, "Hey, you don't want to graduate from this program because you don't want to get better." Yeah, you know, we you just can't uh, terminate someone like that. So you just have to wait for attrition to. Where you get the hours to award someone else uh, another, uh, you know, place in the program.
16: Brian Wiedenmeyer again, with Friends of the Urban Forests. I want to give uh, what works well, our relationship with the staff at Public Works, from Director Short on down. Um, I want this commission to know, which you already do, that you have a wonderful team of dedicated professionals at every level of that department, Um, whether it's working with the Bureau of Urban Forestry, grants and contracts management, I think our relationship is really collaborative and responsive um, and open. Um, I will say one thing, and whether it can be improved or not, I'm not sure. Um, there has been a necessary level of scrutiny on the city's grant making to nonprofit organizations, particularly this department's grant making to nonprofit organizations. We welcome that scrutiny. Um, we are going to account for every cent that the taxpayers um, uh, give to us through this program to do this work, which I think is important. Um, we're stewards of those dollars. Um, I think. That level of scrutiny sometimes leads to a level of back and forth on invoicing that can delay the payments of our reimbursement. So we do this work for reimbursement, right? We don't. We complete a month's worth of work within 15 to 30 days. We reimburse the. We invoice the department. It can take upwards of six months to get paid for that work, um, and when uh, you have to make sure you have enough cash flow, etc. We're not in that situation, but I don't want to get in that situation. So something that could work better, and we're working towards it collaboratively with accounting and grants management is timely payment of invoices.
0: Thank you. And and you feel as that's on the department's end rather than on the nonprofit's end?
16: We are partners in that. So it's our job to submit complete and timely invoices, and it's the department's job to review them and ask questions. I think there are many many questions that get asked on every line item so you can give kudos to your accounting team for being very thorough sometimes that can cause a delay of several months
0: thank you any other comments or please actually
15: actually, i do want to mention that the accounting team has actually been very helpful um yeah we're relatively new and i remember our first invoice we had some problems and they took the time to work with us and get us through it so I, you know, I don't want, to just, you know, throw someone under the bus or hear someone else doing it. That, you know, DPW's accounting has worked really well for us.
0: Thank you. No, we we don't throw people under the bus at this commission, but we're always looking uh, at ways to improve, as we all are. Um, again, this is great that you're all here. Um, Commissioner Newhouse Siegel, questions for the group or for the staff? Yeah, um, Wonderful. Thank you. My mic is on. Okay, uh,
3: I always have questions about how to identify, uh, and this goes beyond what what your people are doing. How to do identify people who are working on the street? Who about them wearing something that says who they are, what department they're with? And in your case, that maybe even there, I noticed that one of the one of the vests that one of them had on. I, can't remember which organization actually had the name of of one of your organizations on it so that's great but I'd like to know are these are these uh, the people from your programs are they always accompanied and supervised by DPW staff well I have a couple of questions let me tell you what one of them is are they always accompanied by DPW staff the other is are they, do they get to where they're going in DPW vehicles? Another question is, well, how are they identified? And are their assignments recorded? How do we know where they have, where they've been assigned, and are they tracked? And I also would like to know, and I think your programs are wonderful, but do they work with union apprenticeship programs and with, with school district vocational programs? so those are i'm sure i could think of more questions but that's about it for
4: now
13: thanks so public works doesn't oversee uh well we don't have managers or supervisors out there for example um managing mission hiring call they have their own supervisors and managers out there managing their employees
3: i'm sorry i don't understand their own who's From your departments? Not from
13: from public works, no. Now, we oversee, yes, the program and making sure things are running uh, the way they need to run. But for each individual um, organization, they have their own supervisors overseeing their employees.
3: So when they finish an assignment, it gets checked off. There's some way of tracking. They've done it, what time they did it, who was doing it
13: yes and they provide weekly data to our team yes with pictures
3: thanks there's my other questions about the vehicles and
13: yeah we don't provide them vehicles either they have uh their own if they're if they transport their employees with their uh company's vehicles yeah
3: and how are the vehicles identified
14: Uh, Dishmutala Landvo from Landvo Family Foundation. Uh, My uh, nonprofit has a van which is used to convey our work tools to the location that we work. The employees find themselves or find their way to the location. They are responsible to transport themselves to workplace every day. Uh, The vans are marked by the name of the company or the logo of the company. So we do not use the public, uh, the DPW vans. We use our vehicles. Any other question, ma'am?
12: So we are the power wash uh, steamer, and so we have our own truck that carry the uh, power wash steam machine on the truck, and then uh, all the staff they are wearing uh, safety wear, safety wear and also the CYC uniform, and all the all the truck are also marked with our logo. Uh, every day they need to submit the log sheets to track which can, uh, trash can they clean, as well as also which block they have cleaned, and we also submit the weekly data to our DBW program officer. So everything is tracked, and we have our own supervisor but we have to really thank dbw team they really help us to set up all the safety protocol all the like PT, PP training all the proper protocol ahead of time to make sure they're ready on the job commissioner do you have any other
3: questions this this is yeah it's very helpful and actually my next my follow-up was about trees i mean just as an example but with all of these there are a lot of people especially during our recent storms on all of the things that you're, that people from your programs are working on, we and we want to know who these people are. It would be great for your programs for promoting for the public. Your nonprofits and you look for donors. I'm sure and for people to thank you and know what they're, what they're doing. Communicating who who is doing this work is really good, and especially with trees, a lot of it is not. Is not authorized and and is is are not people who've been trained about urban forestry and uh, creating danger and so all this they're doing they impact our safety and not just how things look but our, our health and our safety so it's a big responsibility that your your uh people from your programs are taking on for us
16: I agree, Commissioner Newhouse-Siegel. And just briefly, our employees all wear branded um, vests and apparel, so you know who they are, friends. Even before us, all of our fleet of vehicles are marked with our logo on our website. Um, despite that, I think the issue you raise, there is often confusion about, even with our logo on the vest, are we working for the city, or are we working Uh, for ourselves as a nonprofit, and and being out in the public, I think I can speak for all of us, we're interacting with the public in the same way that public employees do and for us that can mean difficult contentious interactions at some points in time. So we do conflict de-escalation training, safety training for our folks who are out um, and and for tree trimming, just as a reminder, the tree care that Friends of the Urban Forest does is for the first three years of the tree's life through establishment and then it's passed on to the city so the large limb, uh, we're not getting people up in cherry pickers or with harnesses on, that is the, the fine folks at the Bureau of Urban Forestry do that work.
3: Thank you. I'm not being nitpicky, but these are questions that I myself have, and people, especially now, because nonprofit contracts are under such scrutiny so um, as they should be, so thank you.
0: Commissioner Salvi. All
5: right, thank you all for, for being here. Actually, I think at a certain point, I have volunteered with every, every one of you. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, I, I see the, the value that you add to um, our, our workforce development goals. Now, my question is for public works, for, about process-wise. On, um, on slide 19, uh, the pre-proposal conference, and how, how often do we have a, uh, a pre-proposal conference with interested parties, is that is it is is it announced to the public? Is it open? Um, does it happen every year?
2: Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll, I'll take that one, uh, Commissioner uh, Carla Short, Director. Yeah, whenever we have an RFP that gets announced, we we hold a pre-proposal um, conference. So it's not in some cases. Um, It is a requirement to attend that if you want to submit for the RFP and in some cases It's not a requirement. It's just an opportunity But anyone who is interested will then get a summary of the questions that were asked at the pre-proposal conference So it's not necessarily on an annual basis. It's on a um, an as-needed basis depending on what RFPs have gone out to the public
5: and um, The contracts are generally one-year, up to three-year contracts, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, my other question, maybe anyone can answer this: What do you feel? What is the impact? Let's say Friends of Urban Forestry, for example, um, contract comes up, another nonprofit comes in, and they get the bid. What what impact? What kind of impact does that have on? Yeah. For-
16: that depends on the nonprofit organization and how much of your funding is reliant on public contracts. So, we certainly do get um, a significant portion of our budget, probably, I think off the top of my head, 40% from the city and county of San Francisco. We also get funding from the state of California, and then the rest of that is from traditional contributed sources individuals, corporate sponsors, private foundations, and philanthropy. Um, you know, if we were to go back for this contract we have, or the grant we have currently, say, the workforce development and tree planting and establishment grant. That's a $2.6 million annual grant out of a budget of $7.5 million. You know, uh, We would have to assess our staffing. We'd have to assess um, the structure of the organization. Um, we're doing this work, as I said, on a reimbursement basis. And so uh, we'd either have to find another funding source for that work, and we're always trying to do that, diversify our revenue sources, and or reduce our program scope if somebody else got the grant. Okay, thank you. I wasn't just calling, it, calling you out. As no, no, no. <laughs> just,
6: just to qualify, and we've heard this from, we actually had a, a, a kind of contention about a tree watering service that came before our commission a while ago. So the process is completely open and transparent. A call is put out, qualified companies come and bid. The city has essentially an ag- an agnostic approach to it. They, they can't play favorites just because someone already has a contract. So they have to judiciously look at each one And they use a grading system that everyone who is applying for a grant is getting right. And so some history may be a factor, but it's not the determining factor because we've seen the contracts rotate. So every year Public Works, in this transparent and open process, awards to whomever they feel is the most appropriate recipient organization at the award of that contract. So while it may affect some of the organizations, it's not the city's business. The city's business is to let out a tender to the most qualified organization.
11: Though I would like to qualify that, and I think it is why it, I, I still struggle. And staff, and I don't know, if Deputy Director Durden, uh, Mr. Hills, out. I really want to thank you guys uh, for last week and spending some time. But it is still um, the inherent problem in that you know we are effectively being grant makers with limited amount of money. Um, And a very big big task uh, that many of you are taking on so that I really do appreciate Um, but one of the things as we go through our process that I've struggled with and I even heard it today is really our nonprofits ability to do this work and it's not um, the interviews it's not the supervisors it's actually the very simple thing is can you keep the contract reimbursement do you have lines of credit do you have capacity to do this and the reason I bring it up is this is where a lot of nonprofits particularly in the homeless service area are failing dramatically um, It's because do they have the capacity do they have the wherewithal to manage multi-million dollar city contracts that often don't pay on time not because we don't want to do it; it is because you sent that one invoice that was weird that month and so I, I do want to understand um, and I think we should all collectively understand that um, the work you're doing and the capacity and the opportunity you give to folks every single day is uh, I just bar, bar none uh, but this contracting and how things are set up and even how we have to evaluate our partners to make sure on the other side of this will they have the capacity as an organization to be able to do this work and fulfill it and often, ultimately it's not often about participants, it really is about money and I'm hearing yet some of y'all are already starting the slow invoices and those type of things and they become compounding issues and so what I would like to know is how can we help you solve that what are the things that we can do? Um, I want to uh, thank uh, Director Short. I know things such as very small capital grants to, uh, to buy you know, equipment so that you, know, you can get out there to do the work. Though, that's been an evolution, and I'm just wondering, is there another evolution to address this issue around reimbursements and really the fundamental problem they have, which uh, may keep some people from coming to a pre-bid when they recognize what it actually takes to manage a city contract, not necessarily deliver on their mission?
0: Excellent question. Would, would some of you like to address that? The, again, the wherewithal, the financial wherewithal you have when there is a lag in getting your invoices reimbursed, and how we could help. Should the city provide more training to your accounting teams, for example? Uh, should we just, you know, should we be hiring more people? I mean, any, any thoughts that, on
17: to Commissioner Turner's point? Right, Michelle Leonard Bell from Mission Hiring Hall here again. Um, I think um, initially when we onboarded, we received an advance that we are now working against, Um, however, with the time that the invoices take, it would be great if we could maybe a quarterly advance and definitely built on our performance and all of that, too, because it has been a little stressful for the organization, and we are a very well-heeled financial organization. We just don't have tons of reserves in the bank, Um, but we surpass every audit with shining stars. All of our ducks are in a row when it comes to our fiscal team. It's just we need the cash flow because the thing that I hope everyone realizes is these are subsidized workforce programs. And so every two weeks, we're paying out wages and taxes for those wages. And it would be so great if we could get in a flow of invoice processing or either a flow of advance. Um, So I can take any questions if.
0: Deputy Director Robertson, you're up.
8: Good morning, Commissioners. Bruce Robertson, CFO Public Works. Um, there's a couple things going on here. One is I want to emphasize the city has a prompt payment policy. So we do promptly pay all of our contractors, whether it's nonprofit providers, equipment providers, for-profit organizations. That said, some of these things do take times, and we do have trainings where we go back and forth. And the amount of revisions we have varies by not just nonprofit provider, but by for-profit provider whomever. Since my name is on all of this, I will make sure that we will only pay for what is eligible within the contract and what we can do. My job is to keep Director Short out of the press, to keep the department out of the press, and to keep, more importantly, me, myself personally, in compliance with everything we need to do. So there has been, as someone mentioned, I don't remember who, there has been a lot of scrutiny on grants. Um we've seen a lot with some in particular nonprofit organizations over the past few weeks and months. It's really important that we make sure, not just within public works, public works accounting side, public works finance side, public works PMs, and and I'll just I'm not picking on the nonprofits, but since they're all standing to my left and right, I'll, I'll point to them. That the nonprofits, we all have a clear understanding of what is in the contract, what is eligible, and what is ineligible. And I think that is as I'm listening to this, that's one of the areas where I think we could improve. And I think as part of the when the contract is signed, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. I also think that goes for PMs as well, who are overseeing some of these contracts. There are some things that have to be reviewed by me. Some of the expenditures and contracts I review and sign off on, because there may be a large, we were talking about equipment, it may be a large equipment item. If that contract is coming to the end of its duration, we maybe shouldn't allow a large equipment purchase for a contract, I'm making this up in this example, that has a week left in in its duration. So there is a lot of those things um, that we need to make sure we're, we're complying with and paying for. So I think one of the takeaways that I will do, and you all have my commitment, is that we will work, the finance team will work, and maybe hold some trainings that are a little more robust and a little more thorough in terms of what are the requirements, because it's really important that we don't pay for anything that is ineligible to the contract. We are acutely aware of the um, the limited cash flow capacity that they have. So I was glad to hear the init- the discussion of advances. That was something that we worked proactively with the controller's office. That wasn't something we were allowed to do, but we then proactively did it. So the quarterly idea, I don't think we can do that. But on the upfront of an, of a contract, we now almost always give in advance, and we put that policy into place working with the controller's office. That was not something we could do. So we are always trying to be aware, again, my role is to ensure financial compliance, but also provide the funding and the opportunities so we can provide the services we do on an operational basis.
0: Okay. Thank you, and it did occur to me that where the controller's office might fit in in here with, with training and documents and, and things like that. So it might, maybe it's a partnership between Public Works and the controller's office.
8: Yes, agreed. And we have been audited many times and we have not had any significant findings. So that's you know something that I really, I'll take the credit, but it's really the staff behind me and in, in, in budget and accounting that deserve all the credit
11: for that.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Turner, did you do a follow? Yeah,
11: I, I, I am, well recognizing our responsibility, uh, particularly the accountability, I don't know if it actually, though, addresses my concern and, and really I should be the concern of everyone in this room, uh, which is at some point, uh, we're going to continue doing great things. Um, these contracts you have with us are going to get bigger and bigger. And as they get bigger and bigger, what are our partners going to do to have the financial wherewithal, either lines of credit or others, as these reimbursements, many of them are payroll, so they are required to get paid. Um, they don't have any choice. Insurance is going. Like, so I guess uh, it's not necessarily us, more so I guess I want to hear from our partners. What's the plan? Uh, because, again, uh, we know what the structure is. I'm grateful um, that Carla and the team were able to work some magic on in, in, in two really critical areas, advances and some capital purchases. But ultimately, and I don't think very long, it's going to be enough because I'm hearing you guys already having a little growing pains. So my question is, what are we going to do?
16: I'll volunteer to try to answer that. Um, As a nonprofit organization, we also have a board of directors, a finance and audit committee. We have financial policies in place. We endeavor to keep between three and six months of operating um, in cash reserves at all times. That becomes a struggle, Commissioner Turner, as you point out, as our budget grows and um, as the delays for reimbursement on some of our grants stretch to six months or beyond. And so I think you know it's on all of us to try to fundraise outside of our contracts to, to build that up, and it's tough, this, this work is not easy, and fundraising work and, and in the nonprofit sector in San Francisco in particular can be a challenge. So I think for us, it's a mix of fiscal policies and good governance internally as a nonprofit, uh, and it would be continuing to work with the great folks at Public Works to to shorten that window. Um, And then the final thing I'll say is the controller's office has done, I want to give them credit, training for nonprofit organizations that are grantees of the city around financial management, around reporting requirements, um, and they do really robust compliance monitoring too. So I don't have a silver bullet answer, but it's to try to build up those cash reserves so you don't find yourself in that situation where you're going to be struggling to make payroll, and you need to get a line of credit.
11: Um, coming out of um, the homelessness and supportive housing world in San Francisco, we all said that years ago, and now we're all on fire and in chaos. So, I, I guess I'm still uh, not satisfied, and I, and I think maybe it's something shared between the department and others. We need to actually tackle this because it's inevitable, and also expenses and costs are going to keep going up for you. And at some point, you're going to have this conversation in a much more um, difficult way. Uh, because we're going to be talking about can you manage your contract. And so I I just wonder uh, preemptively how do we engage and support you and and not allow the chaos that we see in the other side of our industry um, kind of bleed over.
7: What
0: suggestions would you have, Commissioner Turner, to answer your own question?
11: I really like the idea of quarterly advances. I thought that was actually pretty smart. Um, I also think that we need to have a little uh, more grace. Um, we're meeting people where they are. You got to go uh, Uber. Sometimes you want to get them a coffee. Like there are things that, but those little things trick up um, a review by our auditors and our accountants. And so, are there areas that we you know maybe it's just Here's $1,000 a month of, you know, we know you're going to go do it type things. But there's these things that allow um, reimbursements that should be streamlined very easy, uh, but it doesn't always pan out that way because they're meeting people where they are. And thank you for it. And so I think if we can think about quarterly advances, um, the, to remind everyone, um, these are grants. These aren't loans. I mean, there's always we can. It's all about the risks that we're sharing. And it's about the relationship and the accountability that we have. And so I think it's just time that we need to have those honest conversations with partners because uh, I don't want to sit on this side and making things more difficult and uh, onerous and adding all of these belt straps and suspenders uh, when, in fact, um, it's working counter. That's adding more costs in the back office that nobody is reimbursing. And so we've got to figure this out. And, again, I just don't want you guys to be in a crisis that we're seeing with so many other amazing nonprofits who've been around 70, 80 years uh, and now can't see their way out.
0: Thank you. So I guess what I would suggest then, um, what would I suggest, <laughs> is um, I definitely echo your point that that these that our nonprofit partners are all doing wonderful work on behalf of the citizens of San Francisco, and I thank you for it. Um, but it would be a drag for the public works department, ergo San Francisco's taxpayers, to put money into a contract, as you said, and, and work with one of you only to have one of you then go belly up, right? So I think that, that's your point, is how can we not just uh, give grants uh, pursuant to what Commissioner Wolford, as he explained the process, but also to the extent we can ensure your ongoing success and growth so that we didn't just you know waste our money with an organization that went bankrupt a year later or whatever and uh, so so I don't I don't know what the answer is but again I think it's what uh, deputy director Robertson has stepped forward and saying we'll, we'll try to do a better job here and uh and and as I said um I'm forgot your name I'm sorry but the director of mission hiring hall had yep. a good suggestion about advances so maybe it's just yep continuing conversations and expressing these concerns
11: yeah and I'm happy to to join a working group uh, or whatever we want to call it and I I, it is very simple things I think that we should try to do Um, I don't we're not going to get anything radical uh, but I think if we can start to make these small but incremental changes I think it's going to behoove each one of you as an organization I I just also just um, you should be concerned, uh, and I really do think that this is just one of those areas where we've got enough examples in the city uh, that we should not be going down this pike at this point, point. and I'm sure not going to let it happen as, you know, the five of us are sitting here. And so I would like to figure out how we engage around this issue and really think about what are some of the strategies that maybe it's not just about us, but collectively this ecosystem really needs to kind of grapple with this. We cannot continue putting our nonprofit partners in this type of position.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Zavi.
5: Again, thank you. Thank- just had, I, um, Go ahead. I'm
18: just, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'm Mark Ferrar, a longtime board member of Mission Hiring Hall, and I share your concern, Commissioner Turner. I've since we started looking at this contract, I've been on the board, and we're very con- confer- concerned about the cash flow and making sure our reserves are adequate. And fortunately, so far they are. You know, one of the things I've observed, and I spent a lot of time looking at the agreements and worked with your staff, kind of on getting the invoices paid, is. Perhaps breaking the invoices out into, you know, I think with respect to your review process, you know, eligibility. A lot of the expenses are payroll, and you know, those are pretty performance. Probably, I don't eighty percent of our invoices payroll, which should be pretty easy to process. And maybe look at dividing the invoices into two sections. One is the payroll that you can move forward on an expeditious basis, and the other expenses that require, you know, an eligibility review and you a more detailed review, and then truing up you know, maybe 60 days later after that review and that conversation is gone, just to keep that payroll money flowing because for us, that's the biggest, I don't know, what do we have? You know, two or $300,000 a month in payroll, I think, right now, and, you know, it has to go out every two weeks. And that might be one way to look at it, and I'm happy to join that working group because I, sp- I spend a lot of time thinking about cash flow right now. But thank you so much. Thank you. Commissioner Zabi.
5: Um, yeah, I, I I agree with uh, with Commissioner Turner about this, but I feel like I was like as blind as a bat because I have a request right after this. But first, I want to really appreciate I really appreciate your your patience. Uh, ever since I I, I I joined the commission, a lot of answers came came to my very angry questions about the city and how things work. Uh, there, there's always a reason and there's always, some, there's, there's always a process going. So what I wanted to request is, I would like to have like a, a presentation of the entire process of what we look at, what Public Works looks at and, and the scoring system. I think we, 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 we talked about that before. I would, I would like to have um, that, that scoring system and that whole entire process presented to the Commission so we can learn more about what we're looking for wh- how um, how these nonprofits are you know other nonprofits are getting those bids and what did we what what kind of expectations we actually set up and and what kind of disclosures we, we share so if, if we can maybe share both if we can if we can have that kind of conversation with with our staff I know I can't I mean I'm, I'm not here to talk about what nonprofits need to do, I'm a, I'm a public works commissioner, so I work with staff. I wanted to see how how this process works. Um, again, thank you, uh, Bruce, for uh, uh, for the clarification earlier. Thank you, Commissioner
0: have Siegel.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, so I'd like to know you know, the longer we talk about this, the more questions that we will all have. Um, are you, do you compete on these, on these uh, RFPs? Do you, is this, are you divided? Because in your descriptions of each of your groups that were on, on these slides, they were very similar, what you do, uh, except for maybe Friends of the Urban Forest has a specific area. But is this done geographically are you all because you have specialties in different parts of the city or what how are you all are we looking at you you're all competitors so when these RFPs go out you're you're applying for the same for the same pot of public money um, so I'd like to know is it by diff- by types of service that you do is it geographical um, there's a lot of duplication of services among your organizations. I mean, even, sorry to say, even your administrative work is duplication of services. You all have finance people, you all have boards of directors, you all have directors.
0: Uh, Director Short, can can you please explain again how we often give uh, grants to different organizations for the same... um uh, services.
2: Yes, thank, thank you. you, Chair Post, Carla Short, Director. So, thanks for the question, Commissioner Newhouse Siegel. Um, I think it depends on um, it depends on the grant, basically. So, some grants we issue to multiple providers. So, we have, for example, two providers who currently are working on our Pit Stop program, two different nonprofits. We. You know, the scope of what each of them provides is based on the RFP that we put out. Um, in <coughs> other cases, we put out a geographically based work scope. So CYC has successfully competed for a lot of the work in Chinatown, although we also have now Landville Family Foundation is doing work in Chinatown. Um, we have a grant that we'll be issuing soon that was geographically focused in the tenderloin. So it depends on kind of two things. One is the scope and the scale of the grant and we we will often say, you know, that we intend to award to one or more, two or more depending on what we think the breakdown is. And in those cases, they are literally performing the same service but they're performing it at different locations. In other cases, they may be performing slightly different or more specialized I'll I'll use CYC again. They're really becoming a bit specialized in power washing and training people on power washing. And so they focus on trash cans, power washing, and then some power washing uh, sidewalks. So uh, some of it is scope, some of it is geographic, but it's always identified in that request for proposal that goes out. Did that answer your question? A lot of it, thank you. Okay, thanks.
0: If there are no more questions or comments, Again, we'll, we'll, we'll be opening this to public comment, but thank you all for coming today. Um, <laughs> for those of you who were who here about nine or 10 o'clock, I particularly appreciate your patience in sitting through the agenda. And I would just have one final request, which is um, should any of your grants uh, come up for renewal or should you be successful in winning another grant? We'd be delighted on the day that we are approving your grant to have you come again and so that we could ask, how did it go the past year, year and a half, or two? What do, what were some successes? What were some challenges? What are you excited about with this new grant? That type of thing. So you'll see our agendas. We can make sure that the staff reaches out to you. But again, should you be successful in getting more grants, we'd love to see you on the on the days that we will be approving that that funding to see you again. So thank you very much for again your patience in waiting for this agenda item and for addressing us all today. It was. Terrific to have all of you here. Thank you. So please open public comment on this item.
1: Member, members of the public who wish to make three minutes of comment in person on item seven, the Department of Public Works Workforce Development Grant Making uh, presentation may line up against the wall for this from the door. If you are commenting from outside the chamber, please press the raise your hand button on the webinar or star three on your phone to be recognized. We have no in-person commenters and we do not have any callers from outside the room. So that concludes public comment on this item.
11: Commissioner Turner. I just want to um, really echo Commissioner Zabi's point um, about having this workshop, you know, I I keep getting stuck on, you know, it's not about who, it's about process. And a part of our process, we really do look at, you know, financial wherewithal. It's a very generic question, I think, uh, there. And I'm wondering if that's a place um, that we could actually help address some of this issue around capacity and what we're looking at on the front end. So I just wanted to, I don't know what the process is, uh, Chair Post, to actually kind of officially ask that we follow up on this and that this is something that we actually do, Uh, given that we will have more RFPs and so on and so forth coming down. I think maybe that is the appropriate place to look at this criteria question of financial capacity.
0: Thank you.
5: So noted. I, I recall we did have something, but it was just scores. Exactly. And we asked we asked for for a presentation with those scores broken down on like detail.
0: Thank you. So again, in closing, I would just like to thank uh, all our, our staff people, Ms. O'Brien, uh, Deputy Director Robertson, Director Short, and others who spoke on this, as well as all the guests that attended today from the nonprofits for which the citizens of the city are making grants. Secretary Fuller, please call the next item. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I forgot to thank you, Commissioner Turner, for meeting with the staff uh, earlier this week and work or last week to help strengthen today's presentation. Thank you very much.
1: Item eight is new business initiated by commissioners, and this is an opportunity for commissioners to suggest business for a future agenda, and it is an informational item.
0: Yeah, or we can add that as an adjunct to the prior. Um, I do have a new business item. There was a a press report yesterday on the problem with illegal dumping next to city trash cans and some confusing public works signage on the cans that uh, were meant to discourage the practice. Uh, the article included a poignant story from a small business owner who said the trash can placement in front of her business actually led to a dirtier sidewalk, in her opinion, rather than providing the opposite result. So in my view, removing trash cans from city streets because of miscreants misusing them is not the right answer, since I think... All citizens should be able to easily find trash cans in all neighborhoods in the city for their appropriate small trash items. So, what I'd like to do—a request for new business—is a report at our uh, first meeting in April. That would be uh, April 8th. If uh, Director Short, you feel that's enough time, that that describes for the commission how trash cans are sited in the city—s-i-t-e-d, not c-i—how they're sited in the city. Uh, a, a report that uh, outlines the problem of illegal dumping in the urban core. We know what the problem is, unfortunately, on the city's outskirts, but in the urban core, and other misuses of the city's trash cans, and uh, what the department's plan is on how to address this public nuisance and this uh, public health issue. So, if April 8th seems reasonable for a report on that to the commission, I'd be grateful for that. Thank sure, you. happy to do that. Thank you.
5: Let, we'll start, maybe
0: let, let's start with the department, I think, yeah. Any other requests for new business? Or uh, Please open this to public comment, Secretary Ford.
1: Members of the public wish to make three minutes of comment in person on item eight, new business initiated by commissioners. Uh, may line up against the wall for this from the door. If commenting from outside the chamber, press the raise your hand button in the webinar or star three on your phone. We'll hear from commenters in the chamber first, and it appears we do not have any. And we do not have any callers on new business either, so that concludes public comment on this item.
0: Thank you. All right, we are um, at the end of the agenda. Our next meeting will be on Monday, March 11th at 9 a.m. in this room, and we are now adjourned.